Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and you're about to get a full dose of Chenium. Joining me today is Jeff Kanata. I can't wait until this movie features the fifth element, which, of course, is love. <laughs> Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Pixar's newest film, Elemental. Uh, Devendra is out today. He is on vacation, uh, and we are wishing him a safe, relaxing, refreshing vacation. We'll look forward to welcoming back to the podcast next week. But he was able to join us for our Elemental review, so you can look forward to that. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.com. Find us on YouTube, uh, Instagram, and uh, Twitter at the Filmcast Pod. Find us on TikTok at the Filmcast. We're posting new videos every single day. Uh, you know, got a couple questions and feedback. I'm just going to relate to you that, that, uh, you know, th that reminds me of, which is first of all, Jeff Kanata, I got a, I got an email every now and then Jeff, someone will send an email and, and critique some technical component of the podcast. Yes. And, uh, somebody emailed in and they said they don't like the fact that when the episode, the podcast starts, they can hear my breath. When I, when, I, when I take a breath and say, hello, everyone, welcome to the Filmcast. Oh, you don't, and, they don't like you breathing to speak? <laughs> they don't like that they hear my breath. Like, why not cut out the breath? Here's the why reason why the breath the is breath? not... Here's the reason the breath is not cut out. We do everything basically called, uh, I think, live to tape is technically the term. Yes. Everything's live. Um, I don't think people understand how little effort goes into the making of the body. There's no editing or anything. It's all just live. It's all done straight to tape, you know? Yes. So it's like a, what you see is what you get. There's kind of no, th this is the thing that some YouTubers have done to destroy our profession, David. <laughs> they, they put in what I like to call effort or uh -huh. work mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or going the extra mile, mm -hmm. you know, where they, they literally cut out any pauses or breaths. Mm -hmm. uh, they mm -hmm. add in all kinds of extraneous visual elements to help uh, convey their point. Uh, all of this as somebody who has now gotten into uh, YouTubing a bit more than I had before, you know, I, I, I just uh, started doing the uh, DLC yeah. book club on my YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff. Uh, and I've had a blast with it. We're, we're having a great time. Lana Bashinsky and I are talking about books. We're reading through the Malazan books of the Fallen. But I will tell you, we record it much like we do this show, uh, live to tape. Yeah. <laughs> and then I go in and I'm like, oh, I'm being compared to other YouTubers mm -hmm. who spend hours laboriously editing their videos to something that is perfect in every way and, and i just i don't have that kind of energy mm -hmm. so true so true not so anyway, doing that's, that that's why you hear my some you know i, I think what i'm going to try to do now is take a breath mm -hmm. like hold my breath <laughs> start the uh, the opening theme music and Smart. then you know that's what i'll try to do good good um, yeah it's like the um like the uh, deep sea diving of 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 podcasting Indeed, is uh, some, foresha some foreshadowing for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, okay. The other thing that somebody asked was, Hey, like, uh, I, 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 a listener would really love to have access to your reviews of things like extraction Two and asteroid city. These are things that are covered on the after dark, which yeah. are exclusive to Patreon doc, uh, subscribers at patreon.com slash film podcast. Well, here's the thing. We are posting, clips of those conversations on youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod they are not the whole thing it's not the entire conversation uh but if you want to taste youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod will give you a sense of our conversations of things like 
Extraction 2, and also Asteroid City, which is going to be this week's After Dark. So uh, just wanted people to uh, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the Filmcast Pod. We're posting yeah. new videos, uh, I think, like up to five or six times a week uh, right That's now. Amazing. Yeah. So we're a whole stuff going industry on. now. Absolutely. And, and there actually Absolutely. is some work done on those because uh, we hired uh, somebody <laughs> yeah. else to do it. Yes, because we uh, are paying people to to do a really good job on those. So Yeah. Uh, but the main episode itself, like, don't, please don't mistake. And, you know, work. also, Dave always says we never want anyone to of course. support us if it causes any kind of financial hardship. But, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you, if it doesn't cause you financial hardship, <laughs> get up on that Patreon because there's mm-hmm. some great... And you'll you'll have instant access to the entire back catalog. Hundreds of, of so, back episodes. So much, so much stuff. There's all, all kinds of focused reviews. We've done retrospectives of film series like Mission Impossible and uh Well others. That, that, we didn't do Mission Impossible. That was that was before the Patreon launched. Was it? Yeah. No, I don't remember. But we did, <laughs> but we have done retrospect. We did Evil Dead. That was a big one that we did. Evil recently. Dead. That yes. was a fun one. And we so. you know, we do T V series there sometimes and yeah, yeah. And then there's a lot of episodes where we're just answering questions and having a goofy fun time. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Patreon.com slash film podcast. Anyway. Today, we have actually a pretty packed show. There's a lot of film news and industry news to discuss. We got some what we've been watching for you, some cool stuff there. And then, of course, our elemental review. Um, so, Jeff, let's get into it. I can't, I can't believe how much stuff has happened in the last week. Um, yeah. Can you believe yeah. that as of this recording, The Flash opened 10 days ago? It feels like it <laughs> opened 10 months ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and the whole world is going topsy-turvy. I don't even understand. There was like... A coup and then not a coup and then like yeah, in 15 minutes. The, I, the entire I, submersible saga basically happened since the last episode of the podcast. It's a lot. It's a lot uh, to process. Yeah. So I can't keep up with it. Uh well let's let's start with the the, the box office news. Uh and that is both good and bad. Uh the flash had a very weak opening. Man. Um it it opened to around, I think, around $55 million. That was very bad. That's okay. Uh, it can bounce back in its second week, Dave. Yeah, maybe it'll have a, have a good hold. <laughs> uh, but no, it fell off more than 70% in its second weekend. Uh, I think its domestic total is now around $88 million. Uh, that is it's one of the biggest second week drops for a superhero film ever. It I dropped think only, more than Green Lantern. Yes. I think the only one that's dropped metric. more... You know what's funny is like as this has come out, you hear like here are the yardsticks by which like bad movies are judged. There's yeah. Black Adam being thrown out there. There's Green Lantern being thrown out there. But uh, I think the only movie that's dropped more in recent memory is more BS. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Jeff. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, the Flash is is basically has gone from. Uh, disaster to complete fiasco, I think, in the last I had weeks. this movie so low on my list. And then as we started, everybody was talking about how great Flash was. It came out of CinemaCon and was like getting all these crazy. And I was like, oh, I better move Flash up on my list. Like an idiot! <laughs> um, oh, man. Here, here's the thing about that is the, the, I, the cruel irony, Jeff Kanata, is I think if you and I had seen The Flash before we made our summer movie wagers, we would have put it in the same spots. Like, that's absolutely true. Because we, we both, both loved it. Yeah. Enjoyed the movie overall. Yeah. Like there were some problems with it, but we both enjoyed it. I movie, thought it so. was going to be a total crowd pleaser. I thought people were going to yeah. love Keaton. Yes. Yes. Nope. nope. Turns out they're not interested. Not it's the children. Interested. It's the children who are wrong. Yeah. It it's turns out that, that canceling of the Batgirl thing may have turned out to be uh, not, not as dumb a move as we thought. 
Um, you know, there are many reasons why the movie might not have done well. Um, people uh, might have caught wind of Ezra Miller's uh, reign of terror around the world and decided they're not going to support that person. Uh, but the, uh, you know, I saw one uh, social post about it that I thought was kind of interesting, which is that this is the second big budget blockbuster movie uh, in the DC universe that attempts to reckon with the ending of Man of Steel. <laughs> and the other one being Justice League, or uh, Batman v Superman, I think. Like, remember, yeah. like, Batman v Superman, there's a whole, like, Batman shows up and he sees all the people dying. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, maybe people just don't care that much about Man of Steel. Like, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Is I don't that was think a big, that, that was a big that part of the marketing. Away. It that wasn't was a big part, part of the marketing. marketing. Maybe. I, I feel like uh, it, it will be, people will be analyzing this one for a while. I don't know what it is. I'm shocked, honestly, with how bat focused the the whole messaging around this movie seems to be and that it still failed like that i i just thought putting yeah. batman in and around it just felt like a sure thing but i guess i'm wrong i guess i'm really wrong about what people were sensing from this movie but yeah uh there was some there was some good news which is elemental only dropped like un less than 40 percent in its second weekend which is an amazing hold for that kind of movie and it shows that, hey, like we we are about to talk about Elemental. Um, certainly did not think it was bad. You know, so right. we certainly thought it was like a strong, it had some problems, but it was certainly a movie that we appreciated. And it's a movie that people should go see in theater. So this one might have some legs. It might hold on for a while longer. That is very encouraging. Well, it doesn't feel like there's lots of competition for the young kids uh, demo. Agreed, around yeah. Around now. So Other I think that like probably explains the, the lack of drop-off is there's nothing else for the young kids to go to, so. Yeah. Um, although I don't know if this, well, we talk about it later, but I don't know yeah. if this is a super young kids movie either. Yeah, yeah. Quite very honest. true, very true. Uh, it was nice to see No Hard Feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence comedy, uh, debut at around $15 million. Uh, it's nice, and it's cool that they're ma still making these things, and they're still doing well. And yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is, uh, you know, Jeff, I'm going to say Jennifer Lawrence is a movie star. Like she hey, can, what? She can uh, pull audiences to see a movie just because Jennifer Lawrence is in it, yeah, uh, and good on her. Uh, she's a producer on that film as well. So, uh, wishing all the best for No Hard Feelings. I'm going to try to. We we almost did a double header yesterday. We almost did Asteroid City and No Hard Feelings. I want to see that but, movie. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll hopefully check that out. But Jeff, the reigning champion, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, <sighs> coming back in week four to be number one at the box office. Astonishing performance. Wonderful, wonderful. It, this could go all the way. And actually, honestly, at this point, I need it to go all the way and be number one. Because if it's number two, that means Peter Serretta hits number one and number two dead on in the summer movie wager. And I am completely toast. Yeah. I need well. to introduce a little chaos and mayhem into the wager. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse could go all the way, be number one for the summer right now. It could head towards around $400 million domestic. Uh, outside chance. So yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to give it up for Peter for, you know, having yes. the guts to do that because I yeah. think we all looked at, you know, across the Spider-Verse's take and just thought into there's the no way. Into the Spider-Verse. Excuse me. Yes, I keep doing that. Um, the first film and uh, seeing, uh, just finding it so hard to believe that the sequel was going to double, triple that take. It just felt so impossible. And now it just seems inevitable. So... 
you know, kudos to Peter for yeah. having the guts to do that because uh, that's, you know, it helps that the movie is also really excellent. You know, like that's a huge, this is the cynical me that shows up for the summer movie wager. And I have to get rid of cynical me because <laughs> cynical me who is trying to not equal to despicable me, by the way. Yes. Uh, by the way, there's a fly in my office right now that is driving me nuts. like it's summer so we the doors have yeah. been open so there's a fly in the house and uh -huh. now it's in my office and it's attracted to the lights and i'm anyway if, if yeah. you see me distracted yeah if you, if you if you hear a fly land on jeff's microphone that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah um the uh what was i saying what cynical was you cynical you oh cynical me cynical you didn't put barbie in the top 10 no uh, which is going to be a disastrous so decision it, i honestly okay Sidetrack real quick. Yeah, yeah. You guys are going to maybe hate this idea, but <laughs> I kind of feel like it might be fun next year to switch up the rules of the summer movie wager uh -huh. to have it be a little bit like fantasy football mm -hmm. in that we get to have one swap during this, uh -huh. like, to like see if there's some <laughs> mid-season strategy mm. that we can do mm. to like max. I don't know if that just completely ruins the whole premise, but it might be yeah. fun. Anyway, yeah. if I could Something swap Flash for Barbie, I would do it right now in a heartbeat. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Barbie hasn't even come out yet, and I wish I could do that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, cynical <laughs> me is the one that you know. I don't access cynical me in my reviews of movies. I'm here to be entertained i'm here to love loving things like i want to be transported into it i want to have a great time at the movies summer movie wager episode shows up and cynical me is there going i'm here to predict the mass market of america and so i think that everybody mm -hmm. is dumb and they like dumb stuff and they're gonna go see dumb and i keep getting uh -huh. proven wrong and so yeah. i need to quash cynical me absolutely and say hey no quality actually is being rewarded lately yeah because I think that that's a relatively recent development in the summer. Because, Absolutely. You know, the I won the summer movie wager back in the two thousand somethings. Yeah, back when the woolly mammoths roamed the earth. Yep. Yes, and I did it by betting hard on how cynical people were and and putting you know mm -hmm. like the mm -hmm. second Transformers movie at the top and all that stuff. And I just got to disavow myself of that notion because I feel like people are really rewarding quality these days and yeah. uh, going to see the good stuff. So. Next year's strategy, completely different. Indeed. Well, uh, one thing that puts a little asterisk by that Spider-Verse victory, unfortunately, is the story that Vulture published this week Yeah. by Chris Lee, headline, Spider-Verse artists say working on the sequel was death by a thousand paper cuts, end quote. And, and they weren't even animating on paper. Mm, yeah. And th this article basically details extremely challenging working conditions uh, on across the Spider Verse, and uh, a lot of the blame is put on Phil Lord, who is a uh, producer on the film, uh, and apparently was able to override any directions from the the three directors of the film. Uh, and uh, why would that be a problem? It's, that's not necessarily that's weird, but that's not necessarily an issue. Uh, the piece interviews multiple people, and here is what one of them says about the uh, working with uh, Phil Lord, Chris Miller. Um, so the thing is, Phil and Chris are incapable of committing to an idea. They don't really have a clear vision. What they're good at is slowly and incrementally making things better through trial and error. 
Um, but Chris Miller, I don't know how hands-on he is with the production. For for the most part, when we heard a change or a cut had to be made, it's Phil. We always hear it's a Phil note. It's never really Chris. Uh, Chris's name didn't really pop up, pop up that much. Um, uh, I, and I do generally think it's a good movie. But that being said, it's been debilitating for a lot of the artists involved. Morale was incredibly low. And a lot of people reassessed if this was something they wanted to be a part of. End quote. Uh, the article details how people work for 11 hours a day, 70 hours a week. And and basically what would happen is uh, that it, it sounds like uh, Lord needed to see finished renders before deciding whether or not to change uh, a scene. He'd be like, make a render. And then, then after it's rendered, uh, then they would tweak. Now, if you know anything about film production or animation production, you know the rendering, like by the time it's rendered, a ton of person hours have gone into that work. A ton of money has gone into that work. Uh, and many animation houses have processes in place so that all the work or most of the work is done before you get to the render phase. But what would happen is multiple scenes would need to be rendered like multiple, multiple times, up to five times final renders, according to the, um, to the article's description. And people were just getting burned out. Over 100 artists left the project uh, over the course of the movie. Dave, I have a so, lot of experience with this personally because mm -hmm. uh, this is how my wife decorates our house. <laughs> okay, fair uh, enough. Okay, I need to see the couch over there mm -hmm, yes. and then I need to see the table over here. No, don't like that. I need to see the couch yeah. in this position. Now imagine it takes 1,000 people to move the couch exactly. to that position, right? Yeah, yeah. which yeah. in my case, it almost does. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is... This is a double-edged sword because part of me goes, that's how you make something transcendently good. Yeah, that's a, that's the problem. Is the, that's is the, problem. the movie is amazing. That's, right? the, that's problem. the problem. And, and yeah. that's, that, that push and pull is detailed in the piece. Like people work on it. They got super burned out. But the thing is, the, the movie's amazing. And so the it's like- The movie is like gobsmackingly good. Right. And, and so- <laughs> It reminds yeah. me of, you know, uh, we can't, you know, there's certain people that we don't like to reference anymore. Uh, one of them is um, uh, Louis C.K., but he does have a great bit of in the in the before times of uh, how like he's conflicted because some of the greatest things in the in the world that has ever existed are the result of slave labor. It's like, hey, pyramids, the Great Pyramids, incredible, one of the feats of human accomplishment. How is it accomplished? Slave labor. So it, it's a lot of a lot of people died. A lot yeah, of people died I, making. Yeah, I'm familiar with that bit. I think I kind of reject the premise, which is that I don't think you need to treat your people badly. No, uh, to, no, I, to I agree with that. It. But it, but you, I, I think what I'm plucking from it is not this is how you do these things. It yeah, is it's a, it's a the conflict, the tension between the result, which is incredible, and you revere the result. Mm -hmm. with how it was accomplished in so many of these cases is not pretty and you reject. And so I've, I, I feel that tension uh, in this case because I would never wish that on people, but also, you know, sometimes it feels like, man, the only way to have something that is, that achieves that level of um, perfection is to have someone who just won't put up, you know, who is that prickly and is like, hey, no, we got to do it again. We got to do it again. We got to do it again. 
Not that I would ever want people to work that kind of hours or whatever, but I'm saying that there is a tension there that I recognize and I feel conflicted about. I, I don't uh, I don't agree with the tension. You know, like I don't I don't think that tension exists. I think it's possible to do what you're saying and still pay people correctly and still treat people right and still not burn out, but it requires a lot of sacrifices upstream. It requires more budget allocated to the project. It requires being willing to push back release dates, you know? And it's very similar to the dynamic in video games, right? Like people are uh, abused during the crunch period, but it's like, it's not, oh, greatness requires people to be assholes. No, I, I reject that notion. Like there's many well, projects that are made where people are treated humanely. That's not exactly um, what I'm saying. I'm not sure saying greatness requires people to be assholes. I'm saying that oftentimes the something isn't you, you don't have a it's harder to have a blueprint that you execute perfectly and never need any changes for i'm removing the we need worked 11 hours part that could always be changed again, again you, like you said with more budget yeah. more care more attention to right, to, to right. that and i uh, completely agree it's the he always made changes he always gave notes when reported by the foot soldiers in the army, that always sounds bad. But the right, general, right. from the general's perspective, that's how you win the war. Yeah. Right? That, 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 again, I'm trying to separate yeah, but, these two concepts of, yes, working conditions is a completely different issue that there's really no excuse for other than money. Uh, yeah. And you just have to be better. But- in the like, hey, he kept giving us notes, he kept changing things side. It's like, yeah, that feels bad to the people that worked and then their work gets changed. But that's also how you make great stuff oftentimes. I, that's all I'm saying. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor. We'll be right back with more conversation about what's going on in the industry right now. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. I guess the only thing I want to add to our, our conversation about this is uh, my my sense from reading this article. You know, I, I have a, I have a a kind of my overwhelming sense is that uh, like Phil Lord and Chris Miller seemingly work on a very iterative way. It's like we need to see it, yeah, before we can critique it. In general, when you go to like uh, studios like Pixar, uh, there are processes in place to protect animators from these kinds of rapid last minute changes, right? Like we've already rendered out a scene and then you need to like change it significantly. Like there are processes in place to like prevent that from happening so that people aren't abused. Right. Um, and those processes apparently don't exist at Sony Imageworks. Uh, one of the other things that's a factor is that uh, Lord and Miller were producers on this project. So typically like somebody who has a creative voice would be like, hey, I want to change X, Y, Z. And the producer would say, well, we can't do that because... Uh, I, I need to protect my animators. Well, they were the producers in this case, so he can't push back on himself in this case. Um, yeah. So I think uh, the only thing I just want to say, Jeff, is uh, like, yeah, it's, it seems like basically the number of changes that he wanted was like uh, more after like a lot of work had been done than other movie than uh, than most animators are used to dealing with. Incidentally, that has created great art. 
Like incidentally, yeah. that has created great art. I don't know if but it's it incidental, is, but <laughs> well, I think it is also possible to create great art without. Do we do we disagree? It's possible to create great art without such we a. We do not disagree process? about that. Okay, I great, but yeah, I so also the, don't think that it that it was incidental. I think that's that's the process yeah, that's, of this particular artist, and it's it sucks. Per, yeah, yeah. Perhaps. For this, that's what I'm saying. Is for this particular artist, I agree. Like, yeah. That that's their pro that that is what makes their work do well, and I think we agree on the working conditions of the pay and stuff like that. Well, um, yeah. But I also, but th this is the thing we've seen other artists who don't need to right. extract this much or um, be this like unplanful uh, and still produce great art. But it, for this particular artist, it's how they achieve what they want to do, right? Um, so I, I don't agree with it. Yeah. I also say uh, that. It is unfortunately the case when talking about long hours, harsh working conditions, incredible pressure. I don't, I don't think this is the exception to the norm when talking yeah. about post-production in general. I think most visual effects houses, this is just the norm. I think, unfortunately, yeah. that's well, just we, we... how post-production tends to be. Uh, at least anecdotally, that's what I've heard from friends who work in, the, in that field, that most and very similar to the video game industry as you brought up that yeah. it, most of that is crunch time most of it is brutal uh high pressure uh and then you know their work and then it's like well feast or famine you know <laughs> get fired for before we get to the next thing or whatever so it's you know this it's a bigger problem than just uh you know across the spider-verse agreed but it's agreed. also a bummer to see i think one of the best movies of the year be talked about like this yeah yeah um not just talk about like you know yes it's, it's a bummer that the, the revealed you know, to have been made revealed to have yeah. been yeah because of really challenging conditions and uh and i i think we're my understanding is we're in the middle of a visual effects crisis right now like we yes, are in the middle 100%. of a crisis where uh there's more visual effects that need to be done than there are artists more is being demanded of them less is being paid of them um, and visual effects houses are closing. It's yeah. crazy. Like, yeah, it, because they're not being treated fairly. They're not being given the amount of resources they need to survive. Uh, so I hope that measures people are taking, like unionization, will help with this. But uh, it does, I agree with you that Spider-Verse does seem to be a symptom of a large problem. The only other thing I'll add is, um, you, know, you know, some people have described this as a hit piece against Phil Lord. And there was one defense of Lord that was offered that I think is worth considering. Michelle Grady, I'm quoting from the article, Michelle Grady, the executive vice president and general manager of Sony Pictures Imageworks, uh, claims that Lord is not to blame for the delays. He, as the main messenger for editorial changes coming from the three co-directors, executive producers, Miller and the studio, is instead a convenient target for worker ire. It really does happen on every film, she says. Truly, honestly, it can be a little frustrating, but we, we always trying to explain that this is the process, end quote. Um, the, the, so I... I think Lord gets a lot of negative attention here, but I do think from what I understand, from what I hear, there was a lot more studio meddling with this one than there was with the last movie. Um, like the last movie was kind of this renegade. No one knew what it would be. It wins an Oscar. So now the yeah. studio is like, Oh, Holy crap. You can totally imagine like a bunch of execs being like, Holy crap. We got to, I, I need to get my fingers into this pie to make sure like I get credit for the next success. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's part of that. That's Phil Lord. Um, you know, uh, getting the, getting some of the blame for that. I, I don't think he, that is 100% explanatory of what we see in the article, but I do think it's worth noting that, uh, that's part of it. So I wanted to acknowledge that. The other anyway. takeaway is that 
we ain't getting the third one anytime soon. Absolutely not. And and that's the thing that's so <laughs> the uh there's a very uh pointed moment in the uh in the article. Uh this is a quote from some of the one of the person people who work in the article says uh, one of the people who worked on the movie. Quote, they've announced Beyond the Spider-Verse will be released in March of 2024. I've seen people say, oh, they probably worked on both movies at the same time. There is no way that movie's coming out then. There's been progress (laughs) on the pre-production side, but as far as the production side goes, the only progress that's been made on the third is any exploration or tests that were done before the movie was split into two parts. Everyone's been fully focused on Across the Spider-Verse and barely crossing the finish line. And now it's like, oh yeah, we have to do the other one, end quote. Uh, And, you know, throughout the article, uh, the Chrisley and Vulture quote like what Sony's response is to what's happening in the article. And they say, quote, Sony re- representatives declined to comment on whether the third Spider-Verse film will be delivered on time, end quote. Yeah. Uh, a very uh, unintentionally damning statement. Like, I don't think it's, there's any chance in hell it's going to be released on time. Uh, I had heard that Heli Steinfeld hasn't even started recording dialogue for the right. movie yet. Yeah, which is like she said yeah yeah so, so I, i'm thinking like late 2025 at the earliest probably later than that you know yeah yeah i mean i i would agree that 2024 is feels out of reach at this yeah. point. late 2024 feels like out on the outside scale of possibility but like sounds... i agree with you probably 2025 is what well, it took four happen. years to make this one supposedly right yeah so um and that's kind of um I, i'll just say uh I'm very irritated at Sony management for this whole situation um, because they obviously they like allowed things to get to this point. They decided to end the movie on a major cliffhanger. They put a to be continued on the end of the movie and they set people's expectations that the movie will be released within uh, basically with under 12 months. And that's not true. And that's going to be a bad PR hit when that happens. And they decided to they decided they're going to take that PR hit at a separate day because they're not going <laughs> to confirm it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, because I think they, they'll want to message it their own way. You know, they'll want to yeah. say like, it's been so amazing to work on this by, and seeing the response. It's made over a billion dollars. And in order to get the next one just right, we're going to need to push it to, you know, yeah. September of 2025 or whatever it's yeah. going to be. Right. So the they, expectations well, are through the roof on this one. So we want to yeah. make sure. Yeah. Yeah. We want to, it's going to be a JPEG. We completely bungled this process. <laughs> exactly. from the beginning. Not that we completely mismanaged <laughs> resulting yeah. in tons of people burning out. Right. Like, yeah. uh, well, maybe, and, maybe the, the tiny silver lining we can draw is that, you know, if this thing does end up being number one, make a billion dollars, maybe they will throw a little more money at the, at the production side and, and some of these folks will get better working conditions. Uh, that's, that's a hope. I, I can't, can't put a lot of faith I, in that, I, but I'm, maybe I'm hoping that this piece in Vulture creates some very awkward conversations at the office. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what we can hope for, for this. But if you did, you know, if you did work, I posted a video about this um, and somebody commented on my video saying that they, uh, they also worked on the film and they had a very similar experience, you know, Anonymous but, people on the internet making up stories, but it felt very authentic yeah. to me that well, someone worked in the film. But yeah, uh, another I, 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 yeah, another side point that might be interesting to consider is that I think this is kind of the same reason they were taken off of Han Solo. Yes, right? like like people read this and they're like, "Oh, the Han Solo stuff makes complete sense now." Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, it's like the, the, um, you know Disney was seeing Han Solo and they're like, "This is a mess," and this is just how these dudes operate. Yeah. It's like we. It, it comes together. We iterate, we iterate, we iterate. We're going to have lots of reshoots. We're going to have a lot. We're going to 
you know, whittle down that piece of marble into, into the David, you know, it's going to be, and that's not an easy way to work. That's an expensive, uh, very, uh, very sloppy way to work in a lot of yeah. ways. So, you know, yeah, the problem is you can't, you can't argue with the product, but again, you know, that, that, this is why I'm so like, when you when you say like oh there's a tension it's like i don't want there to be i don't want to draw a connect like i don't think it's necessary that like the mistreatment needs to happen like there's there's no, many I examples saying that. yeah yeah no i know i know i know i i just don't want there to be even a, a mistake of that so like right uh but but I, yeah I, but I, I do i mean not to yeah. keep sticking my foot in it i do think though i recognize in the world there are artists whose greatness sort of relies on this sloppy messy process mm -hmm. and there are other artists who just don't work and i don't think you can just say hey work different person you know like mm -hmm. i i do think you can say hey treat your people better that's a completely different issue and right you know, yeah, yeah yeah but i do that's, i don't think it's, it's like yeah. hey just don't be iterative it's like well I, it's how i yeah, make that, that's how they make yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's a very fair point jeff that's a very fair point i think like the thing i think the biggest example i think of is like vince gilligan on breaking bad is by all accounts, like treated all of his people exceptionally well. Like yeah. no one was burned out. Um, everyone would like, uh, people would like die for, for him as far as I could tell. Yeah. Like they were all huge fans. Um, and that's that what we hear about Ryan Johnson too. Yeah. Ryan Johnson. And that's not the feeling you get about the workers on Spider-Verse. No. With, uh, with Lord and Miller. You know what I'm saying? Correct. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. it's, uh, but you're right. You're right. There. Are, I agree with you that like some artists are just like, Hey, if, if an artist wants to be like, I need to see the full render. Uh, they should have the opportunity to do that. And also the, uh, the artist should be treated, you know, the animators, Correct. the artist should be treated well. Yeah, I we think agree. We're, I we think we're in alignment. That. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you did work on Spider-Verse, thank you for your sacrifice. And we hope that uh, next time around, it goes a little bit smoother and that you get to see your families more because um, we can't keep burning out artists who are working on the greatest things of our time. Like we need, yeah. we need artists out there to be making these things. We need them to not be burned out. Um, so unless you're yeah. Marvel and you can just use AI <laughs> Segway. Uh, all right. So uh, <laughs> this, this was basically one of the, like, this is one of the worst weeks of the year in terms of industry news. Like every, <laughs> uh, virtually every major studio did something dumb this week or was reported to have done something dumb. Uh, and one of those things, and was, we're going to step through each dumb thing. <laughs> absolutely. And we're going to try to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we don't have that much time, but Secret Invasion, the uh, new Disney Plus series set in the MCU, they used AI in the opening credits of their show. This created a lot of controversy. And I got to say, Jeff, I'm a little bit mixed on this one. You know, like I, so I, was, I. I was originally because I think that artists using AI to make their jobs easier or artists using AI to make a excuse me, to make a thematic point should theoretically be okay. I agree. I think for me, it hinges on that second thing you said, which is yeah. I think the point of this intro is that it's fake. It is that it, yeah, like, that it feels weird, right? The yeah. whole point of it is it's a show about people pretending to be other people. So we're going to make a intro that is art pretending to be other art that's supposed to make you feel like you're in the uncanny valley. It's supposed to feel weird. It's supposed to feel like someone came in and did it instead of the right people to do it. Like, it, I, I don't under the uproar to me is misplaced because that's the point. Yeah, 
I think, right, a huge part of the uproar is a result of the fact that we're currently in the middle of a writer's strike. Uh, there might be a SAG strike soon, depending on how that goes. Although the DGA apparently has ratified the deal, so DGA is not going to be part of it. Uh, and AI and the use of AI is a huge uh, part of, or a, a big point of controversy in the deal points. Yeah. Right? Is like how AI is deployed. And I think people are very leery, based on the story we just talked about, yeah. people are very leery of AI being used to replace humans, right? Yes. Um, and I also understand I, that. And I support yeah. that. And I think yeah. that is that is a something to definitely be worried about. But yeah. I also feel like <laughs> it, it, it's kind of misses the point to get mad I, at this particular one. I think there was a, I think Jeff, if I had to guess, I think there's also a lot of people that just thought the intro looked like shit. And they were but like, I think it's supposed to, I think that's the, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, like, it's supposed to look, it's supposed to make you feel unsettled. And we, it's supposed to be like, Oh, that's wrong. It looks wrong. It's like, it's all mm -hmm. garbled and, and that's it's definitely Samuel Jackson's face, but like fed through a filter yeah. of weird. And, <laughs> like that's the I, point. I, I I am way more understanding of why people are pissed about this. I think because I think I think yeah. yeah. You, if you look at a thing, it like looks like crap. You're like, this doesn't look good. It looks bad. It's it's not aesthetically pleasing. Also, it was made by AI. Uh, then you will then conclude, oh wow, they just decided to use AI instead of humans. I don't. I think the story is more complicated than that. I think there is the thematic the, There is a thematic the tie-in. Yeah. That's the problem. Is that we live in a world now where the story is more complicated than that. But no one cares about the more complicated part. <laughs> well, Jeff, here's here's the other thing too. Okay, like to, to, on the you know I'm going from one hand to the other hand to the other hand. But on the third hand, it's basically um, That's we just saw all these images have third hands. <laughs> we just Sorry. saw the Flash uh, come out and have what, in my estimation, were some of the worst visual effects of the year. Uh, I in don't. some in some scenes. In my opinion, yeah. I'm, right? I'm not as harsh on it as you. Right. But yes. And then the director comes out and says that they were supposed to look like that. And a lot of people, including myself, felt like, uh, you know, I, I listened to uh, the Slash Film Show and Ben Pearson gave a real or it was Jacob or Ben that gave a really good explanation. They were saying how that's just Andy Muschietti being a good soldier. Like he's just going out there. He's defending the work. No matter how incredulous it is, like how ridiculous the explanation is, he's defending the work. And there's, I appreciate him defending the work. But you a lot can't of people argue that's the case here, though. Well, that's what, but I'm saying, I'm saying there is precedent for people being full of shit and lying yes, about we what's can, going on. We can have two different <laughs> ideas in our head at the same time, one of which is, hey, sometimes people do that, but it is patently obvious that's not what's happening in this case. It's patently obvious they went for an aesthetic. That is completely thematically consistent with what the show is about. Like, I don't understand why just because you can draw a conclusion, we have to argue that it is, it, it's excusable to draw that conclusion. Like, don't draw that conclusion if it's obvious that's not what the case is here. Well, you, I mean, you keep saying obvious. And I think for a lot of people, like, they don't get the same reaction as you from the from the opening credits, right? They don't see like, oh, it's such an interesting commentary. They just think it looks like shit and people use AI to do it. And it's like, you know, we, we don't know the full conversation. We don't know if it was like they wanted AI from the start. We don't know if it was like, like what the conversation back and forth between the studio and the vendor was like. So you like, oh. think there is a, a plausible reading of that where somebody was like, that looks 
we want that to look just like Samuel Jackson. We're too cheap to actually use artists here at Marvel. So we're gonna use AI and uh, it doesn't actually look like Samuel Jackson, but you know what? Nobody's gonna mind. You think that you think that's more plausible than we want this to look weird and dumb. We want to use AI because the show is about false things taking the place of real things. Like, which seems more obvious to, to you? Like, well, I don't understand I, how anybody could think that somebody sat in a room was like, you know what? That doesn't look anything like Samuel Jackson. And we wanted it to look exactly like Samuel Jackson, but it's the best thing we can do with AI. And I'm too cheap to hire real people. You think that's what really happened? I don't think you're kind of describing my viewpoint particularly plausibly, Jeff. Okay. But I think, uh, but I think that it's, is it possible that uh, Marvel uh, doesn't take care or doesn't think visual effects is a super valued art form? Uh, absolutely. Do I think that they've cut costs in a lot of places around post-production? Absolutely. Uh, do I think that that in any way influenced how this was put together? Absolutely. So I, I, I don't agree with your kind of story that you've just told. But like, I, I'm not. You're, I'm not like, yes, Jeff. The story you've told is the one. But I'm all the stuff I just said is true. So, uh, I think it's extreme. We don't know what the actual conversation was, like all the way up the chain. I understand why people are pissed. You don't. That's where we are on this. So, um, I understand know? why. I have a lot of sympathy for. Hey, I would rather AI didn't do the work of artists. I also feel like it's probably true that some artists worked on this and used AI. Like absolutely. absolutely. You watch this this, this sequence. Was made by Methods, this was made by Method Studios. There was like I think a dozen or so artists that worked on this. They tweaked it until it was you know, this is like a relatively good it's, usage of it. Like it's, it's not like just like quite difficult. There's a number of different shots that all look to have a very similar theme to them. And it's actually not super easy to get AI to do that with different, you know, shot to shot to shot. Right. And so, you know, th 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 this wasn't devoid of human interaction. Also, having said that, I totally understand why people get weird about AI. I'm worried about AI replacing us and me. Uh, but I also think we can be more sophisticated in our judgment of things as a culture. And this is one of those cases where, like, look at the entire picture here and recognize that there is a very specific aesthetic at work here for a very specific thematic reason. I don't understand why that can't be part of the conversation as well. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying it can't be. You know, I, th I, I, I have tried to be fairly even-handed in my conversation about this, Jeff. You're the one that's like, I've, I've really riled you up for some reason. And what I'm trying, what I am trying to say is, Jeff, it does. This is not happening in a vacuum, right? This is happening uh, in a situation where fear of being replaced is. Uh, at an up, at literally the highest point it has. I ever understand been, that, right? And also, um, there is a history of like look at uh, Google Marvel pixel fucking, you know, and you'll see like there's a there's a history of Marvel uh, basically doing the same things to their visual artists as what we just described with Spider Verse. And so this comes at the end of all of that. I understand. Um, so I don't. Basically, what I'm saying is I don't think you can take Marvel at their word when it comes to what's going on with these visual effects. Um, but I also think of all the instances in which AI has been used, this is probably one of the less offensive ones because of the things that you've said. So that is my nuanced and not 
you know, online screaming perspective. Well, I'm not trying to be online screaming either. I apologize if that's <laughs> the way I came up across. I mean, you were, it just, yes. It yeah. bothers me. The, the, yeah. It bothers me that every possible interpretation of the facts has to be honored and respected equally when any cogent person can narrow down the possible, I think, narrow down the possible the plausible uh, reasoning behind something. You don't have to, just because you can draw a conclusion doesn't mean I have to respect that conclusion. It's, it, <laughs> I understand that those things, those precedents are there yeah. and may, may have come into play also. Yeah. But, and I also think it's, it, it is problematic and we can say, hey, it's problematic that we're staring it's, down the it's barrel also bad, of- It's also a bad look. It's bad optics too. Like it's a bad PR move, right? Like that's that's indisputable as well. But yes, I, I agree. That, hey, you know, I have tried to come into this with a lot of nuance and detail. I'm not, I wasn't just like being like AI bad. I think there's more yes. there than, you know, I, I think you're- <laughs> Well, I apologize <laughs> if I got yeah. heated. I didn't mean good. to- It's uh, all good. Uh, I, I, but you know, this, this Jeff is speaking as a man who has tried to add nuance to many conversations and it hasn't gone well. <laughs> well, I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I don't think my position is lacking nuance. I just think that it, you know, I think there's new, no, the you, nuance. You tried to add, that's what I'm saying. You've tried yes. to add nuance. That's right. what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Moving on. Let's take another break <laughs> for a sponsor. We'll be back with more and what we've been watching right after this. The only other thing I wanted to add to, uh, the news, which we are now, uh, 45 minutes in. We haven't even gotten to what we've been watching yet, Jeff. Uh, so it's going to be a long episode. That's what happens when Devinder uh, leaves. There's no, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no, no dad to, to there's, take there's care no, of the kids. There's no person to exasperatedly sigh and say, please move on to the next topic. <laughs> um, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to say is, boy, David Zaslav is really, speaking of pe you know, people mistreating their people, David Zaslav is really uh, uh, stepping in it. A uh, lot of cuts to Turner Classic Movies, uh, which is a beloved channel uh, that Martin Scorsese has said it is like one of his, you know, literally the greatest filmmakers of our time all use Turner Classic Movies as an essential resource. I am, Steven Spielberg, yeah, Martin Scorsese, you know, a yeah. revelation to me at how much beloved uh, Turner Classic Movies is. I, I think it's uh, it's it's nice to see. I I can imagine someone being like, "Oh, you guys love it that much? Why don't you all watch it?" Because <laughs> I can suspect that the viewership is quite low. The viewership but, is quite low, but it's an extremely important viewership, and it, and it serves a very valuable purpose, right? I so, agree. Uh, but there were massive cuts at Turner Classic Movies this week, um, and uh, massive massive layoffs. And basically, it really feels like David Zaslav doesn't know the uh, essential sort of cultural elements that he's holding. Oh, there's also like a reporting that they're trying to sell off half of the Warner catalog for around $500 million, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he's basically, it feels like he's stripping it for parts. And yeah. that's a bummer because Warner Brothers is a really valued institution in our cultural history. Um, but, you know, capital the gears of capitalism grind on. Speaking of which, Indeed. Paramount has removed and canceled a bunch of shows, including Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, Star Trek Prodigy, uh, have been pulled off the streamer. Queen of the Universe and The Game. Those are the other shows. Uh, this isn't uh, canceled shows. This is pulled them from the potential of viewing, as we've talked about with a number of these streaming sites. Yeah. Uh, it baffles me. And evidently, uh, Star Trek Prodigy has literally completed filming its second season. 
Yeah, I mean it's a, it's an animated show, so but yeah, or like completed it's, it's done. Yeah, production. Excuse it's, me. It's yeah. almost done. It's basically almost done, is what I understand. But not only is it being canceled and will never air on Paramount Plus, but they are pulling it, and you know, hopefully they'll be able to shop it somewhere else. It seems actually pretty positive that they will find a home for Star Trek. Yeah, Prodigy. because you wouldn't want Star Trek on the Paramount Network. That's the that's the biggest that's the most damning thing. It's unbelievable. Paramount Plus is supposed to be the Star Trek Network. Yes, and they could not make a Star Trek show financially viable on their network. Like not even to continue it, but to, to literally continue hosting it. Right. They couldn't even, they couldn't even <laughs> you use can't the even make it available here. Yeah. It, which it's is like very, da- it's, it's, it's a very damning, uh, I think indictment of the streaming business model as a whole. Like they can't make this work for Paramount plus um, one of their core franchises work for Paramount plus. Um, and it's also just kind of, Shows that Jeff the the uh, streaming dream that we all had that everything would be available forever, uh, easily yeah. accessible that was is a, uh, is truly dead. It's truly that was like a, yeah, that was a hallucination. Um, I think, it is I think truly I saw, dead. It is truly yeah. dead. In fact, you know, I don't know if that was even realistic ever. You know, because you and I grew up in a time where that wasn't the case. You couldn't just see anything you wanted to see at any time, all the time. Yeah, it's never been the case. It was a tiny, <laughs> tiny little window where it seemed like that was going to be the case, and it, maybe just it was never to be. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the saddest, th- one of the saddest tweets ever in this era was Kristen Shaw. She had a Disney Plus show, and she tweeted, "It's getting pulled tomorrow. Anyone know how to burn a DVD off a streamer so I can show my daughter this show someday?" Wow. Uh, a huge bummer. And yeah, we uh, we started with scarcity, Jeff, and I think we're going to go back to scarcity. Physical media is super important. I'm buying up a ton of old Jackie Chad movies right now. That's what I'm doing right Do now. It. I was gonna smart. I was gonna talk about it and what we've been watching today, but since we don't have time for that, I'll, I'll save it for next week. But I'm I'm buying up a bunch of Jackie Chan stuff right now. And yeah, anything you love, try to get a physical copy hey, of it. If we can if we can get the filmcast audience together and we can just scrounge up like 500 million, we could get some sick WB stuff. I think. <laughs> yeah, we only need approximately. Um, four hundred ninety nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety fall uh subscribers, and then I think we'll <laughs> hey achievable goal. Let's put it as a stretch goal. Come on, and then and then I think we'll be able to achieve this. So yeah. Anyway, uh, one of the worst weeks ever for the media industry. Just basically studios being dicks, being jerks, doing dumbass shit. That's kind of what it's been this last yeah. week. Uh, huge, huge bummer. Huge bummer. All right, Jeff. <laughs> After that, protracted... I thought that was successful. A successful yeah. segment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about what we've been watching this week. We got a bunch of great stuff to talk about what we've been watching. Okay. I'm going to open by what we've been watching with a show that very, very few people have seen or will ever watch. But I, the, the reason I'm putting it right at the top of the top is because I think this is a great show. It's ar- arguably a masterpiece. Wow. Is this um, Star Trek Prodigy? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's Nobody's not Star Trek Prodigy. To see it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, it is currently streaming right now on Max, the one to watch for HBO. And it's called Burden of Proof. It's a four-part true crime series. And if you're into true crime, I think this is kind of one of the more responsible handlings of it, one of the more interesting stories. But basically, Jeff, I'll tell you the premise of the, of the story. It's basically uh, this guy, um, his sister 
went missing one night, uh, three or four decades ago. Like sister went missing, vanishes without a trace, uh, leaves a mysterious note behind that is written in someone else's handwriting. Uh, but like written with someone else's handwriting, like, like they're using their left hand to disguise their handwriting, you know? Uh, and then vanishes without a trace. And the, the, the note basically says, Hey, uh, I am kind of like a father figure to this girl who's vanished. And, um, you know, she just needs a, a break from the family because the family's not in a good place right now. The girl uh, vanishes without a trace and the, the brother is convinced that his parents are responsible for her death and possible murder. That is the premise of the show Burden wow. of Proof. And it's that's not a, that's really... That's awkward a, Thanksgiving is what that uh, is. Yeah, it's, pain, it's, it's extremely painful and tragic. And it's, it's less about like, let's solve this crime like that's part of it that's a huge part of of the show but it's mostly in my opinion about if you believed your parents killed your sister jesus um how would that alter the course of your life and your relationship right like that is what it is about how would that idea yeah change the course of your family's history um and it, I think they, the filmmakers followed these people over the course of, I think, six or seven years, filming them at various points, going into the case. Um, there, there's like really gorgeously shot reenactments. Uh, and it's a really powerful story about that central idea uh, that very few people have seen based on, you know, like you, you, when you, I go to Letterboxd a lot, Jeff Kanata, and you can see kind of based on the letterbox reviews, how many people have watched the thing. Like, yeah. you know, Spider-Verse, 50,000 reviews or whatever, you know, like right. uh, this show doesn't have that many reviews, which means not that many people have watched it. But I would strongly recommend, if you're into true crime, if you're into documentaries uh, about true crime um, that are about more than just the crime, that are about like bigger ideas, about family ties and what brings people together and how one idea can be incepted into someone's brain and how it can like tear people apart, those kinds of things. You should watch Burden of Proof on Max, the one to watch for HBO. Uh, it is well worth your time. Four one-hour-long episodes. There's not going to be a season two or anything like that. Um, but it's one of the most worthwhile true crime experiences, uh, true crime documentaries I've watched uh, in my life. So strongly recommend. I think it's a, I think it's a, a masterpiece, personally. Wow. So, Speaking of masterpieces, Jeff, tell us about something you've been watching this week. <laughs> I don't know if I have any masterpieces on here. Well, maybe oh, I really? do. Oh, yeah. we've been watching a lot of the same things. And, yeah. uh, do you not know, say Secret Invasion. <laughs> not Secret Invasion. <laughs> okay. We'll get yeah. there. Yeah. We'll get yeah. there. Uh, yeah. The Bear Season 2 uh, is back. We uh, yes. talked at length. I think we did an After Dark about The Bear Season 1. Did we not? I don't remember, but it's possible. Let me check. I think uh, we did. We, we definitely talked about it. We definitely I talked feel about it. very confident that we did an After Dark talking in detail about uh, season one of The Bear, but I could be wrong. Anyway, we all, uh, I think you and I and Devendra all loved The Bear season one. Um, I have not completed season two. I'm trying, my wife and I have decided to, uh, to go through season two of The Bear like a fine wine, sipping it mm. uh, not, and not, not binging it, not pounding it like a beer. But, um, I, for so far, I will say I'm over halfway. Uh, I think season two is better than season one. At least for me, I wow. like it more. I like it more. Uh, it is, uh, you know, so far uh, lighter, um, more, it's more hanging out with people I like who are being awesome to each other. 
who are, you know, there's, there are more moments of just joyfulness and, and goodwill in this movie. There's a, there's a moment in one of the early episodes where one of the characters asks another of the characters to be their sous chef. And the way the actress responds to that is absolutely beautiful. Like it made me cry. Um, and there are a number of those moments in, in season two of just like, oh, I just like, I like being around these people. And yes, this, they butt heads and they're under pressure. And, but I just, I like being around them. And the performances across the board are fantastic. There's much more to my recollection. There's much more food porn in season two than season one had. And I am there for it. I, I love watching amazing people make amazing recipes. And there's some great photography of, just preparing awesome food in season two. I don't think season one had quite as much of. Um, and I love the I love the central idea of the season, which is we're working toward one goal. And uh, I, I'm just having a blast with it. I think this, The Bear is a fantastic show. And I think season two actually improves on season one for me. Yeah. Um, so I have also, I've watched the entire The Bear season two. No spoilers. I will... Spoil season one of the bear. Okay, so if you don't want to know what happens at the end of season one of the bear, skip forward by a minute or two. But uh, the bear is a, br a brilliant show uh, on Hulu about a chef coming back to his brother's restaurant uh, and trying to make it great. And season one was very chaotic. It was very like everyone hates each other. There's all this friction. And what's great about season two is they take an extremely different approach. And it's so hard to get a season two of a show right, you know? And this show decides, hey, we're going to take significant risk. We're not going to replicate the dynamics of the first season. We're going to go in a completely different direction. Everyone doesn't hate each other anymore. Yeah. Like, a, people, a lot of people like each other. There's still problems working with it, but everyone doesn't hate each other. And it's, it's like you said, that we're, all, we're all working towards a common goal. And what is the tension that comes out of that? Uh, and I think that is really interesting. I think they do a great job with it. It's just really, really well done. I'm, I'm very emotional watching most of the show. I have some problems with it. I have some big problems with it. Um, some of the, the, the thematic issues. I think one of the biggest thematic issues I have, Jeff, that I, that we will probably argue about, but like, um, I think the show does take a position that certain kinds of uh, dining or certain kinds of food are like superior to others. Um, in my opinion, uh, like th that, the, the kind of service you get at a high end restaurant is like, uh, is, is more fulfilling or in some ways better than like the restaurant that they're trying to replace in the first season, you know? And, uh, that does rub me a little bit the wrong way, but I do think it captures a lot of the positives and negatives of the approach that they are taking to what they're trying to do in season two, to the, to the restaurant they're trying to build in season two. So mm. that is to their credit. Um, but overall, this is extraordinary. I do think season two is, is amazing. I don't know if I like it more than season one because well, I, I, I think I, yeah, go ahead. I'm the guy that, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to uh, turn on Tom and Jerry cartoons and really hope it was the episode where they were getting along, you know? <laughs> There yeah, were very yeah. few episodes right. where Tom and Jerry were like on the same side. And I would be like, yeah. oh, please be a one where they're not fighting each other. Yeah. So maybe that it gives you a window into why I think the season is, is more fun to watch than that, I love the first season. That's but also I think, how I feel about the film cast. I'm like, please, whenever I start it, I'm like, let's be one where Jeff and I aren't fighting. 
It never is. And then it, it never, never is. is. It never is. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the bear season two. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah. You're you're seeing these people bond and value each other, and they're very loving. And it's like about what this family. It's about how like being part of a restaurant is like being part of a family. Yeah. And like what are the pluses and minuses that come with that? Yeah. I also think there's more focus on the ancillary characters uh, in the season yeah, two than there totally. was in the. We get full, you know. Backstory uh, episodes and, yeah. where it's really focusing on a different member of the team than our central two or three. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that too. Like it fills out, like I care much more deeply about some of these other characters that I only saw briefly in season one. Yeah. Um, Jeff, there was no after dark with the bear. Uh, well, as well, far as I, can I felt so confident. You, Jeff, you got to stop making up after dark. So there's no <laughs> mission impossible after darks. There's no bear. Well, you got to stop <laughs> fact checking me because people would just take it. As, you know what? If you don't see it, just raise your pledge on Patreon and maybe it'll be there. <laughs> there is a lot of great stuff on the after dark. It's nothing that Jeff is actually describing. Though. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I okay. barely pay attention to what we're doing. Okay. That's the bear season two on Hulu. It's great. Watch it. It is. Uh, yeah. 10 episodes, each around 30 minutes long, some 60 minutes long, but yeah. Uh, okay, I had a chance to watch James Cameron's Deep Sea Challenge. So, Jeff, there was a time uh, period- Was it on at, CNN this week? <laughs> it, was on, it was on Peacock. There was a time period where, uh, after Titanic, when I just completely lost interest in anything James Cameron was doing, like he made this documentary called Ghosts of the Abyss, where he visited the Titanic, uh, you know, yeah, he visited the Titanic. There is this other documentary that I think was apparently shot in 3D. I don't know, but it's called James Cameron's Deep Sea Challenge. It's 90 minutes long. I don't even know who the audience for this was, where it aired. It was a National Geographic co-production, so maybe it was with them. Um, but it is uh, a story about James Cameron's quest to build a submersible that could go down to uh, an area of the ocean known as the Challenger Deep. I am going to spoil the ending of Deep Sea Challenge. Is this the Marianas Trench? No, it's a different area. It's, it's, one, it's one of the deeper places mm. in the ocean. It's, it, it, is, it is another oceanic trench um, that has a depth of around 10,000 feet, I think. Anyway... Um, so I'm going to spoil the end of DC challenge FYI. So if you don't want to know the ending, uh, you should skip forward. <laughs> but, but, uh, I, uh, I, I, the reason I watched this Jeff was because I don't know if you heard, but a bunch of rich people got trapped in a submersible that was headed towards the Titanic this last week. Man, it's worse than that. I, I, I hate to tell you the ending of that one, but it's worse mm. than that being trapped. Yeah. Uh, and this was like international, international news story. And then they called up James Cameron a bunch of times because, James yeah. Cameron, I think, has been to the Titanic 33 times in his life. Yeah. And look, I didn't like Avatar The Way of Water, but like watching this movie, Deep Sea Challenge, learning more about James Cameron, it's like, man, this this is the he he is the one of the fullest mass manifestations of a man that one could be. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, like, I heard somebody say um, he has achieved the topmost level of accomplishment in two completely unrelated <laughs> fields. Yes, absolutely. He's almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger in that way. Like he's yeah. like, he's made some of the biggest movies of but all like, time. Literally. I mean, yeah. even Arnold Schwarzenegger, like there's, <laughs> there's a Venn diagram where there's overlap between acting and politics, right? And right, act, sure. in yeah. acting and, and, and uh, bodybuilding. 
there's no overlap between being a film director <laughs> and designing and piloting a deep sea submersible. It just feels like. Well, he might disagree, Jeff. Well, he and might. That, that, that was the thing. That was the thing that really. So I want to share a few takeaways from this, uh, from this documentary. First of all. It's not a very good documentary, in my opinion. I mean, like, it feels like a DVD bonus feature. And by the way, the climax of the movie, this is why I'm spoiling it. The climax of the movie is he gets to Challenger Deep, and it's completely, like, flat Earth, and he discovers some microorganisms. That's that's the climax <clears throat> of the movie, right? Like, it's not like he finds, you know... Yeah, a huge. It's just like, oh, he discovered some new microorganisms that we didn't know about. That's that's sure. the, that's the climax. So that's cool. I like that. But it's just like it's no not aliens. a particularly thrilling. It's not a thrilling, you know, <laughs> no aliens down there. Yeah. Um, but there were many things I liked about it. And the, the first thing is, yeah, you, like, can you imagine? Dude, the dude was just in the news like six months ago for making one of the top three highest grossing films of all time. He's in the news again because of this other time. It's like, yeah. can you imagine there'd be more than one reason for you to be in the news in a year? Like that's, <laughs> that's how amazing James Cameron is, right? Yeah. I, I have a huge respect for James Cameron already. It's increased as a result of this movie, but there's just two takeaways I wanted to share about this documentary. Again, uh, deep sea challenge, which is streaming on Peacock. Um, one is that, yeah, he, he almost quit filmmaking after Titanic. Like he yeah. almost thought he thought of himself as primarily an explorer. Like this was almost his primary identity. He's like, am I an, ex he, he said to himself, am I an explorer that just happens to do filmmaking or am I a filmmaker that just happens to do exploring? And it's not super clear to him even. Yeah. Um, and he takes this stuff really seriously. He spent, uh, he, I, I think he spent over $10 million on this project to build this submersible. Uh, the second thing I want to mention is just you, you know, you've probably seen tweets of photos of James Cameron's submersible compared to yeah. the submersible that they used at Ocean Gate, the Titan. Yeah. And it's like comparing Avatar The Way of Water or the original Avatar to, oh, I don't know, Fern Gully. Wow. <laughs> wow. Fern Gully slander here on the podcast. <laughs> Um, he, uh, <laughs> so inside of it, first of all, he built it out of a spherical steel ball. Like he, the, yeah. the, the, the structure that he needs to be in is like custom for his body, right? Like it's a, so it's a physical steel ball. Um, I've seen a lot of analogies used for the pressure that is put on this submersible. Um, I think in, because when you're down there, you have. Th tens of thousands of gallons of water above you that's applying pressure right. to your vehicle. And uh, there's a fun game, Jeff, of hearing the metaphors people use to describe this pressure. So on The Daily, the New York Times podcast, they said it would be like the equivalent of two Empire State Buildings on top of your vehicle. Mm, you know, like yeah. that's how much pressure it's. Or uh, James Cameron said it's like having uh, like three Humvees on a... On, a space the size of a thumbnail, you know, that's how it, yeah. that's basically how much pressure it is. Right. Uh, and I thought that was entertaining, but also you get a sense of, wow, there is a reason why, uh, James Cameron <laughs> is still alive. Uh, and it's because, you know, the, the, the structure that he used was like extremely well-tested, well-regarded, and he yeah. is a highly respected member of that community. Like yeah. he, 
he knows his shit. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a, like there's a reason why people interviewed him. Like he brings a lot of knowledge to it because he's done it. Um, well, and you also see the, every the interview he... process, yeah, uh, the testing and the failure process. You see like how much work goes into it, and you wonder like how much work went into the Titan. You know, so. Well, yeah, and and we, every interview he had about those folks. He was, it wasn't like, oh yeah, no, I read up on this just for this interview and I can right. give you my opinion. It was, no, I know about these guys. Everybody in this community knows, about. I'm still very connected to this. It's not, it's a small right. club of people that yeah, try to a, do this stuff and yeah, we all know it, each other and we all thought these guys were idiots. Um, <laughs> it's like video game people or like movie people. Yeah. Like we all know a bunch of the people in the community, yeah. right? He's, so it's, he yeah, is so, very much in that world and uh, no, no, no joke. I don't think the documentary is that good because there's a lot of things that could be used to create tension that just aren't, mm. you know, like, oh, this is the time when we need to create this uh, thing that can do this. Uh, and, they, yeah. you know, like, and they don't really do a good job of drawing out this tension. It's just kind of like, hey, some people happen to be around. They shot camera, they, you know, they shot right. footage of him building this thing. And it's cool. It's cool. You, see, you hang out with James Cameron. You learn what goes into something like this. Yeah. Um, so if you are interested in the topic, Deep Sea Challenge not a bad movie. I'm probably going to watch Ghost of the Abyss actually this week because I want to. Um, I never saw that, but yeah, uh, I, I will say this whole Titanic submersible thing has really revitalized my interest in the ocean. You know, like I'm kind of like oh, like looking for like deep sea documentaries and stuff like that, and I, I'm kind of enjoying being in that space um, personally. But yeah, obviously it's a big tragedy that occurred yeah. that a lot of people are also clowning on. We live in a very weird society. It's All right. true. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with one last thing you've been watching. Oh, one last thing. Uh, okay, I guess we should talk a little bit about Secret Invasion. Yeah, let's talk about Secret Invasion. Um, only one episode has come out. I don't know if you've seen more. Have you seen more? I had the option of seeing more. I declined because I'm recapping it for Decoding TV. So I've, okay. I've only seen one episode like you. I've only also seen one episode. Um, I thought the opening credit sequence is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the opening credit sequence is not only incredible, but it is how credit should be made it, in the future. Full stop. <laughs> full stop. It is the new, no, the new paradigm. No follow-ups. <laughs> <laughs> no caveats or follow-ups to that. <laughs> um, I think it's a little early for me to judge this show, but I was not captivated by the by the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always fun watching Samuel L. Jackson do his thing. Dude, yeah. dude is awesome. And he's playing an especially uh, uh, <laughs> over it kind of version of Nick Fury. That's fun. A very, a very kind of grizzled, like I, I, I'm too old for this shit kind of guy. Um, and that's fun to watch. I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but he is not ready for this. No, he which is, is a, not. Li- a line that basically like 18 people say to him during the course of the first. Yeah, episode. I, you know, and obviously the the rest of the cast is just you know, top tier. It's, it's awesome. Uh, who is involved? Academy award winner, Olivia Coleman shows up. She in is, the episode. I think my, in my top three favorite actors working right now. Amazing. Yeah. That's I awesome. love her. Everything she does is just magical. I don't watch everything she's in because she's often in things that don't interest me like the crown, but my goodness, whenever she pops up, I just love her. I love her. She's so good. Anyway, you know, she's definitely outclasses the, the material that she has to work with here. But um, 
I, I remain hopeful that the show will kind of kick into a different gear and be fun. It tries to do a couple of action-y sequences in this, and there's some fun scroll. I mean, I'm you know, scrolls. Since I was a kid, you know, love uh, love the concept of a scroll. It's fun. It's fun that we're going full into the idea of you know, invasion of the body snatchers type. Who is real? Who is what? I just don't think that first episode kind of hit any of the the fun in a great way. It's it's mostly set up, and so I reserve judgment on the show. Don't know yet if it's going to actually be good. I did not think the first episode was particularly great, personally. Yeah, and uh, so I'm recapping the show on on Decoding TV, and I actually went back and rewatched Captain Marvel to prepare for the show, which I don't think is great. It's not terrible, but it's not yeah, great. It's a fun movie. But I think what is amazing to me is how little assistance the show is providing for people who don't have the details of Captain Marvel fresh in their mind. Right. <laughs> um, like, I, uh, I, I, so I watched a, a screener of this, and I was thinking, oh, well, when the show comes out, there's going to be some kind of previously on that details exactly what's going on with the scrolls or explains or whatever. Not at all, man. They just drop you right in there. Yeah. They expect you to know everything about the scrolls. Um, and they just give you no help at all. So I, I will say, if you want to kind of know what's going on with the scrolls, there's two things you need to watch, which are number one, Captain Marvel, the movie, which came out 2019. And number two, the post credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> those, those are the two. And it's like, I, I can't believe they don't even, there's nowhere you yeah. can like, they don't explain that to you in any way. You know, And it's like, and it would be one thing if it's just like, oh, that's a little bit of background it's like, no, like you kind of need to know that to really understand the premise of the show. The other thing that's that's weird is one of the fun things about Captain Marvel is oh, the scrolls, they're these green alien shapeshifters that they're like they're they're the evil, sketchy ones, but nope, actually they're not aha, they're actually the good guys. They're actually good guys. It's the good looking ones like Jude Law, he's the bad guy. Right. That's like Captain Marvel. And then in this show, they're basically saying, forget all about that. They are actually evil. Some of them are anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they did this whole movie, the whole point of which is to be like the good looking guy, the good looking guy that looks human. He's bad. And the green dude, he's like the good one. We should root for them. Mm. To now being like, actually, those guys are really sketchy. Like we should fear them, uh, which is c kind of kind of, you know, say what you will about the tenets of Captain Marvel. At least it's with, it was an ethos. Yeah. You know? So. I get you. Yeah, no, I think that's, but I think we're supposed to have carved out, uh, there are the good scrolls uh, yes. that hang out with, with Nick Fury and- Hashtag not all scrolls. Hashtag all scrolls. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So you got to remember. But I, I would agree with your assessment. The first episode was not great. But hey, it's Samuel L. Jackson in a movie. It's, or in a TV show. It's Olivia Coleman in a TV show. Uh, and it's only six episodes. So it's like, let's stick around, see what happens. So- Secret Invasion streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. All right, Jeff. Let's get to Weekly Plugs. Weekly Plugs, a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been working on. I want to plug my free newsletter, Decoding Everything. I interviewed Celine Song, who is the writer-director of Past Lives, one of the best films of 2023. And we had a great conversation and I transcribed it for decoding everything and uh, pa past lives actually doing pretty well at the specialty box office, made a couple million dollars this past weekend, as far as I can tell. 
That's uh, great. You should watch the movie. Read the interview. It's great. Great conversation. Again, decodingeverything.com. Subscribe for free. Jeff Canada, what's your weekly plug? I want to talk about my video game podcast, DLC. Uh, we've been doing a ton of coverage of the summer of games. Uh, basically, all kinds of stuff happens right around this June time period. Uh, used to be E3, which is the biggest video game conference. That didn't happen this year. Remains a question as to whether it will ever happen again. But that didn't stop the industry from having tons of announcements, tons of big games coming out. Uh, this last episode, uh, we had uh, Patrick Beja, our friend, uh, on the show. Um, and we talked a lot about Street Fighter VI and Final Fantasy XVI. It was a great episode. Also talked about the big Nintendo Direct, uh, where they debuted Super Mario Brothers Wonder, which looks like one of the coolest projects coming out of Nintendo in a long time, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, people like Tears of the Kingdom as well, but, you know, Mario projects. Um, but that's not all. We, you know, we do uh, a Patreon for DLC, and we have bonus content that's behind the Patreon paywall. But we've been putting out a lot of it uh, for everybody. So if you want to dip in, we did an entire episode uh, with Anthony Taormina from Game Rant talking about Final Fantasy 16, non-spoiler, hour-long non-spoiler review. He has played 70 hours of that game, completed it, uh, talked about Final Fantasy 16, debated it. Uh, lots of really great content. So if you check it out, you can find DLC wherever you get podcasts. Uh, and it's uh, it's good fun. It's good video game talk with great people. We have a new guest every single episode. Uh, myself, Christian Spicer. Uh, talking about video games. Check it out. All right. And of course, you can only support the podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and after darks that, contrary to Jeff Kanata, do actually exist. <laughs> just not any <laughs> so, of the ones I've mentioned. <laughs> just not any of the ones he's mentioned. Uh, of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. Uh, but it's very easy to support us without donating. All you got to do is go to instagram.com slash the pod and share... Uh, some of the videos of the podcast. It helps spread the word. We're getting tens of thousands of people discovering the podcast that way. Um, so we really appreciate anyone who shares about us or leave a star rating for us or a review on Apple Podcasts wherever your podcasts. Um, thanks to everyone who supports us in whatever way you can, Patreon or not. We really appreciate it. Let's get to our review of Elemental. Meet the residents of Element City. Air usually has their head in the clouds. Oh, my new jacket. Earth can be a little seedy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing weird going on here. Uh, just a little pruning. Water is always getting into something. <laughs> Help! And fire? As ordered, we run a little hot. Welcome to the Filmcast review of Elemental. I'm going to read the plot summary from the internet. In a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together, a fiery young woman and a go-with-the-flow guy discover something elemental, how much they actually have in common, end quote. Oh. <laughs> you know, it wasn't too long ago when Pixar was one of the most dominant cultural forces in our society. I mean, they had an incredible run in the early 2000s, right? Like... Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wally, Up, and Toy Story 3. Like, they release all those in a row. 1,000 yeah, batting average. Every single one of them is a banger. You know, it's amazing. Uh, and they've fallen on hard You're times. really going hard for Cars here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I feel mean, like Cars doesn't live up in my in my memory. Okay, well, it's still a big cultural yeah, force. It's, it's a, bro, yeah, okay? it is. It is. 
My nephew loves them, okay? The question um, of what happened to the humans <laughs> still haunts us to this day. <laughs> Can I yeah. also just real quick say that um, I want every movie's imdb summary to include the title in some way like mm -hmm. can Dave, can <laughs> can you just rewrite every time mm -hmm. we do this to include the title of whatever the movie is mm -hmm. it should just be the jeans shallot summary you know yes like. yes but he what, what he what the real friends he made along the way <laughs> were the mission impossible dead reckoning part one <laughs> um <laughs> anyway. no, i think you just have to say like this mission seems impossible oh okay it sounds okay. like our characters are headed for a dead reckoning <laughs> the first of the kind yes I will say the IMDb summary of Elemental was actually really terrible. That's why I used like the Google generated one. <laughs> um, the IMDb huh. uh, Elemental. I'll, I'll read it to you just for the record. Uh, it says, quote, follows Ember and Wade in a city where fire, water, land and air residents live together. And they just gave up. The, whoever was writing the stopped. summary, just, whoever wrote that, they just was like, okay, yeah, just yeah. just bang it out, get it out it, there. Who pack cares? It up. Yeah. Who cares? Thank God yeah. we had that AI generated one for you to turn Absolutely. to. No, that's okay. actually stolen from another website, Jeff. That, that is how that's works. how AI works. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's either way it's stolen. It's but this is direct copy. Yeah. You know, when you Google a movie title and then on the side of it, it uh, it's like, here's the summary. It's unclear where that comes from. Is it like from it the, is usually another from website. the studio from the yeah. website? Who knows? Anyway, if you if you Google my name, like my biography from Engadget pops in like the mm, actual text. So they just pull text. Oh, yeah. So they'll pull, yeah. They, but hopefully they pull it from the Disney website, which I'd be totally fine with. You know, I hope. Yeah. anyway. OK, um, as I was saying. Uh, non-stop bangers, thousand batting average. It was amazing. They've fallen on hard times as of late. Uh, Onward, at the beginning of COVID, didn't do well. Uh, a bunch of their movies went straight to streaming, even some of them that shouldn't have gone straight to streaming, including Turning Red. Uh, Lightyear came out, didn't do well. Now this is the next entry. And uh, Pixar movies are expensive. Yeah. They cost well, Lightyear didn't come out. That was their big, hey, we're back in theaters. Yes. You're a cultural force once again. Man, yeah. bombed. what a miss. Yeah, bummed. So... Uh, now we have Elemental, cost $200 million, isn't doing very well in theaters right now, but Pixar is the only animation studio, in my opinion, attempting things of this ambition. Mm -hmm. So my question for you, Divinger Hardware, is did their ambition pay off in the quality of the film in the case of Elemental? In the quality of the film? Absolutely. I think this movie is, is up there with top tier Pixar for me, mostly because it is it has such great characters, but it has the single best representation of the immigrant experience that I've ever seen in, in a kid's movie. And honestly, better than most adults movies. Like this is something I talk about with my daughter. Um, we live in a very like, Hey, I'm an immigrant. So she's a, she's a child of immigrants. Um, but we also live in a very immigrant friendly community. She goes to a school that has all sorts of kids from all over the world. And to explain that concept of like, Hey, we weren't always here. And actually it was a big, big journey to get here and there was sacrifice involved and there's all that stuff. Um, I think this movie just gets that so well without being super didactic about it. I think it is, it is so open that, you know, it could be applied to many different immigrant experiences. Well, I think it's very, it feels very, um, Asian. It feels me. coded like, as like East Asian, South East Asian, Asian, and South Asian. You know? yeah. But yeah, it could, you're right. It could apply to any yeah. different immigrant experience. And it's yeah. such a beautiful interpretation of like, a city as a living organism too, set up for different types of people and how some people may be physically shut out. Like the city is just not built to support these kinds of folks. And the sort of like 
um, attitudes that could inspire in people, you know, around it. And at the same time, I think this is a really effective love story. I think it's very, very sweet. Um, I'm not surprised to see this movie basically bombing at the box office. It's not really a kids movie. There were a handful of kids uh, in my screening and they just sounded bored by the end. But man, I was watching this thing and being like, I cannot wait to show my daughter this. Um, she probably will not understand it when she's four, like, or she won't understand it now, but maybe as she grows up, she will learn to understand like the depths of this movie. I think it is a very, very beautiful film. And yeah, I'm glad Pete Zone was able to put it out there. I just wish it was doing better. I feel like this is a movie that deserves so much. Uh, I talked about this a little bit on my personal Patreon page, but I have done a complete 180 when it comes to obnoxious teenagers in movie theaters. Right? because for, for the longest time I'm like, one of them yeah well true. for the longest time i'm like this is terrible like how dare these people uh ruin my movie going experience uh but i so there was like a group of younger people they're either in high school or college sat in youths. front of me the youth yeah. right like a, yeah. a whole row of them probably like mm-hmm. eight eight of them and they're like cracking jokes and making noise throughout the whole movie and it actually gave me a lot of hope for the future because I'm like, we have like teenagers basically coming to see Pixar, paying money to see Pixar movies in theaters. Uh, they're the future. They're the future. They're the future. And, and there are actually a lot of if, teenagers in my audience too. So yeah, it was like, it was gonna, a date movie from what I can If there is a future yeah. for film going, it's because of people like this. Yeah. And, I, have a, uh, I have a vision yeah. of D- Dave just leaning forward into the seat ahead of him and going like, hey guys, I approve of your... You're joking, <laughs> and you're 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 tomfoolery. Yes, <laughs> your tomfoolery and buffoonery is is okay by me as long as you're paying money to go to the theater. I just want you to know it's okay in my book, kids. As okay, an elder millennial, I Great get it. job, kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So uh, a whole variety of age groups in my theater uh, seeing Elemental. But anyway, Jeff Kanata, I'm very curious. What did you think of Elemental? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I felt thought think about <laughs> elemental is best summed up in the form of a limerick mm-hmm. hit us it's gorgeous visual tricks are undoubtedly for me this flicks star it's lovely and sweet but i see it repeat some elements from other pixar Wow, um, the uh, the meter in that limerick flowed almost as uh, freely as some of the water people in this movie, Jeff. <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed this movie as well. My only criticism is these things are, star- I'm starting to see the three-act structure in all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they have a story sensibility yes. to a lot of Pixar movies, yeah, yeah. They do feel like there's a template. Mm-hmm. And I wish they would break out of that a little more. Uh, but I do think this what where this movie dares to be unique and and special it really is. And Devinder spoke eloquently about the uh, immigrant experience. I think this movie talks in a way that I don't see any other kids big budget mainstream kids things talk. Um, and it's beautiful. It's sweet. It 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 kind of breaks out of some uh some trends and and templates in a really bold way for example it's romantic lead uh it's it's male romantic lead isn't a prince charming isn't a big bold <laughs> hero he's a guy who's really in touch with his emotions he's and a, bit, a bit of a crybaby he's too. a sensitive like, kind yeah, of sensitive guy you know, yeah uh, the Love kind it. of person you don't tend to see uh as the big male lead they'll, they'll be the sidekick character or the yep. But yeah. 
I thought it was kind of beautiful that this character, who we never really see, it's a very postmodern uh, man. And, and I think that that's, you know, it's something I relate to very much. I mean, mm -hmm. I cried at the end of this movie and I cry in a lot of movies. And I think that is not something that is uh, viewed as being uh, masculine or worthy or, you know, traditionally masculine or worthy of being the, the one you fall in love with, right? That's the, that's the, the shoulder that, you know, is available to you, but it's not the big, uh, romantic lead typically. And I loved how this movie just didn't care about that and, and made the, you know, kind of did something different in that regard. And as I said in the limerick, you know, come for the visuals, stay for the lovely story, but come, mm. uh, the visuals need to be seen on a big screen. These are, this is one of the most visually arresting 3D animated films. I've seen, I mean, obviously we just came off of Across the Spider-Verse, which is in a completely different league visually, but as far as kind of a simple, beautiful kids movie, this is really just beautiful, just lovely. And, I adore the world building that this movie does, the visuals of, and, and ideas, conceptual ideas of what this city is, the design of the city, I should say. Uh, you know, it, it very much reminded me of Zootopia, which is a movie my kids have watched a billion times, so mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with. You know, the, the, uh, the sort of idea of what would a city with, that is built around this fantasy concept, what would it look like? And let's kind of, explore that and the, and the nooks and crannies of that in all kinds of fun ways. I just, I, I would love to have many, many more scenes just exploring what different sections of the city are like, because obviously you have, you know, your water section, your fire section, your air section, and your earth section. And I think uh, earth certainly gets short shrift in this movie. We don't really care about the earth people. I would love, I don't know if this movie's box office will you know, enable that. But I love a sequel that like doesn't even have anything to do with these characters, but takes place in this universe that maybe is an earth character and a wind character. Although I have to say, wind characters being clouds, that's actually moisture. Uh, clouds are moisture. So, <laughs> are moisture. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, but... Um, so you think the wind character should have been invisible, Jeff? I, I don't know how you visualize. I mean, I, I thought the clouds were lovely, but it's like, they're actually made of moisture just the same way as the water people are made of moisture. So, you know, well, uh, point... No one Small wonder why they get along so well in the movie, you know? Like, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I, I, had a, I, I had a lovely time with this movie. I, I, think the, um, I think the story is beautiful and sweet. I think the visuals are beautiful and, you know, and kind of um, overwhelming in how... I mean, the water's just, I mean, there are shots that look photoreal in this movie. Yeah, That's nothing yeah. new, but the, the way the water flows and works in this movie and mm -hmm. all of the way the fire looks, the, fi the, the, the fire characters are almost two-dimensional in a weird way, but they're constantly moving and changing color. And it's just, um, it's just gorgeous. So I the really enjoyed this. I thought it was great. I, mm -hmm. like I said, my only criticism is that all of these movies feel a little cookie cutter in in a macro sense. The details of this movie are are lovely, but the sort of big three. I could tell when we're changing the act. I could, you know, everything feels, mm -hmm. uh, you know, very template to me. And and I wish that Pixar would get away from that a bit more. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to shout out here. I think the fire people really remind me of the character of Calcifer in Howl's Moving Castle. 
And mm. I get a lot of that Miyazaki sensibility here, just the way that character moves and speaks and talks. Um, I kind of wished uh, Billy Crystal like did a voice in here because his work in that English dub is also like very, very good. That's world class stuff. Um, yeah, oh, fire. Yeah, water, well, that's one thing I wanted to uh, point mm-hmm. out as well is that I love and I love that this movie doesn't have a lot of recognizable yep. movie star voices. Yep. Mm, it, yes. I mean, Catherine O'Hara being the one exception, yep. but even she is not, you know, like super mega star. The, and the I voice acting it, is overall really strong. And it's this very is, good. And, and it's, it, you know, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. It's, go like ahead. The, it's like old animated movies yes. used to be where it's just anonymous people and you can kind of just hear the characters. Yeah, and yeah. Unfortunately, Dave, I think that might be one of the reasons that executives are going to point to to say why this movie didn't do as well. And yes. I, I, it's a bummer to me because I, Huge I want that to be a trend that continues instead of stops. Uh, completely agree. I had the exact same thought. I'm like, oh my gosh, like most of these actors you know they're very extremely talented uh and some of them have huge social media followings but they're not really name actors you know they're not like Dwayne the Rock Johnson is in the movie uh and it's a throwback it's a throwback to when all that mattered was let's just get the best performance we don't need the biggest name um in fact the dad uh the the fire dad Bernie uh looking on his IMDB he's like in the art department at Pixar mm -hmm. like that's his yeah (laughs) <laughs> he's just a guy who often end up doing voices yeah i'm sure he did the temp track when they were making it and they're like we're not gonna get better than this guy let's just yep. use him so yep. yeah. i kind of yep. wish he was billy crystal because uh just that calcer for voice is so eternal there are some interesting names that some people may recognize like joe Perra does a voice here so mm, it's like yeah. if you're into that sort of thing it's kind of fun to see these folks yeah yeah I'll share a few thoughts, then I'd love to talk with you guys about spoilers, because uh, we do need to tr- talk about the troubling implications of the world of Elemental, but oh, we'll, save, 100%. We'll, save that, we'll save that for spoilers, okay? <laughs> uh, I think this movie is two and a half movies, right? There is this really powerful, moving story of this family immigrating into this city that's very inhospitable to them, and how they build a life together, and how uh, their child, in this case, uh, how children in general navigate this situation where they're trapped between the old world and the new world. Uh, we've seen it done before. Really well done here. Uh, very moving, like made me very emotional as an, as an immigrant myself. I loved it. There is this love story, which I did not care for. I, I did not think that um, yeah. I, I, I like, I don't think these characters have great chemistry with each other. I have no reason to understand why they would fall in love with each other, why they'd be drawn to each other. I don't think the movie did a particularly good job of that in my opinion. And then there's a bizarre subplot about building code violations that takes up like a significant chunk of the movie. Like it's, I'm, I'm being glib, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. trying to stop the city from being destroyed basically. I, and it's this, yeah. this there, whole, there's more to talk about there, but yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it feels kind of awkwardly shoehorned into to the, the rest of the movie. So of those two and a half movies, I really love the first one. Didn't care for the second one. The third one, the, the half is barely there. Um, so I was, a, I'm a little bit cooler on this movie than you guys. I mean, that being said, I think you should go see it. Everything you said about how beautiful it is. There's so many mm-hmm. amazing tableaus in this movie. There's a lot of like visually arresting moments in the movie where I'm watching. I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks incredible. Right. Yeah. Um, and I do think like the animation is, is worth checking out and worth seeing in a theater. But I, I also, you know, so that's like one area where I agree with you. I agree with you guys. I kind of agree with bits of what you guys have said. The immigrant story I love, the visuals I love. I don't agree that Element City is a particularly creative vision of what a city made for people with elements would look like. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like 
It's cool looking, but I, at no point do I feel like this is what a city would look like if elements lived there. And in I, fact, I think even, Zootopia did a better job of like they even joke yeah. about it. They even joke yeah. about it at one point where like uh, they co- two characters. It's in the trailer. They they happen upon this fence, and the water person just walks through it, and the fire person just walks through it, and the water person's like. Why do we even have these here? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any think, sense. I th- also think they were referring to their clothes too. Like, why do we even have these things? I don't. I don't know. Was it, were they talking about the fence? I think they were talking, talking about the fence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But either but way, I, it's like they have clothes because because sensors. You know, if it's you can't very have hard. It's like, a yeah. joke, not about how poorly designed our city yes. is, but how yeah. this person, this particular person who's trying to keep us out. Like, yeah. why did they even have? Sure, it? Fair, fair enough. But I think that like. I don't know, you know, if you if, if people were made out of elements, would you even have trains? Do you know what I mean? Like, would you wouldn't you just have like a couldn't you just have like a chute where like you you <laughs> hop in and you run? It's like the vi- the you know ancient Roman viaduct, just pipes, like, just do, pipes, just Dave, pipes. Like, it's all pipes. Dave has yeah. some notes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just I need shoots, <laughs> Jeff. I'm just saying. No, I agree with you. Your, you know, your point is like, oh, it's super well designed. I'm like, yeah, it looks cool. I agree with you. It looks cool, but like. Um, you know, the best worlds that we watch are like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't even think about how if a person was made of air, you know, how they would get to work (laughs) differently or how they would do work differently. You know, like, and this movie didn't really do that. It was very much in the cars uh, realm where it's just basically... Don't ask questions. Humans, but with cars. That's basically, it's like humans, but with elements. And that part was a little bit disappointing. It's a little bit of a missed opportunity, but like not a big deal, you know? But anyway, had to kind of reflect. I think that's a fair point. But I also think that f- for, you know, humans, but with elements, it's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think both things can be true because, yes, would it be neat to have a, a conceptual sci-fi <laughs> idea of, you know, what, what would a, if you were really made of air, what would you need? <laughs> I just don't think this movie cares to do that. It, it, absolutely. absolutely. And yeah, perhaps it, that's the missed opportunity. It could have, you know, and, and you, you get hints of it. Like when they first arrive, you see like a bunch of air people pile into this Zeppelin and then they mm-hmm. kind of pile out. And then, you know, it's that's like, fun. oh, that's, yeah. that's cool. But like, that's like the limit of how much it explores that idea, basically, you know? Yeah. So anyway, we have much more to discuss. So let's talk about spoilers for Elemental starting right now. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth! Inconceivable! I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. All right, we got to talk about troubling implications from the world of Elemental. Let's start with that. So and many. I, I want to talk about some of the ending stuff. So the thi- the thing that stuck out to me is... Uh, at one point, Ember goes to this dinner with this, these rich water people, and one of them is really into watercolors. Now, there's a very different, big difference between water people and water, which is still a thing in the right. universe. Yeah. Kind of confusing that you'd have water people and also water, but whatever. Um, so if, if you make a watercolor drawing, is that like making a painting with blood for humans? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're like making it with your like entrails? Just finger painting. Kind of, Just finger painting. Is it similar dynamic there? Well, I don't um, think so because they literally, you know, there there is water. Water is dangerous in, at, at a certain point to to him, like to the water man, mm-hmm. which is weird. <laughs> right? You know, he's like holding back the water. He's, he's trying to like, oh no, we can't have water. Like, I don't want to get lost in the water. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. not clear. It's not clear how they, you know, water people interact with water necessarily, right? Yeah. Um, but. Uh, the other but big thing, much more yeah, terrifying, yeah. is the idea of like, let's go over and have dinner. I'm going to put you on this inflatable raft, 
if you fall off of it, you're dead. You will die. Will you yeah. die? <laughs> but let's well, enjoy a nice dinner. <laughs> Wade, Wade seemed to enjoy taking Ember on dates where it's at least twenty percent chance she will die. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Between that and the underwater bubble, which is like, yeah. what? Like you really? Gonna... <laughs> well, I love how she's like, it'll be twenty minutes of air. Nobody told him that fire burns air up. <laughs> uses air for fuel that's another thing is like literally air people are fuel for fire people that's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i don't know and there's a lot of as, there's as a lot are of, the wood the earth people i guess are wood and plants too yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so like if you the fire people to reconstitute themselves they need to eat wood mm -hmm. and it's like is that offensive to the earth people you know what i'm saying <laughs> like and, and and also like what happens when a, a fire person is fully put out by a water person like is it do they is that is that their death? It's like, murder. It's murder. I yeah, think so. I think that they they're can, doused. Yeah. They've been doused. Yeah, they've been doused. Yeah. This is, um, uh, I, I feel like Pixar wants to anthropomorphize everything, right? Yeah. And this is it. This is the limit. You cannot <laughs> go beyond the physical elements because mm. then you're just in, well, I guess Inside Out and, uh, what was it? Soul also Soul, did basically yeah. very abstract type yeah. of yeah, ideas. Yeah, Soul is so. the yeah. limit. Soul was Soul the limit. The it's limit. literally like yeah. abstract ideas were anthropomorphized. Yeah, like dreams. In right. universe. Yeah. yeah. But um, the other thing is, uh, I mean, there's a few other things that, you know, that I think are, are, mm -hmm probably worth bringing up but the big one is like what is the point of making these things into elements if they don't actually interact like real elements would in real life right <laughs> so uh so like throughout the whole movie like fire people are like touching wood and you know paper and all this and it's like nothing's burning up and it's like well what's the point of uh Having them be fire people or like have things made out of metal or some stuff. They're wearing like metal clothes. clothes. Their clothes all their clothing made. is yeah, made yeah. out of metal. The clothes yeah. is like special, but like at yeah. various points, they're like handling yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. that would be consumed. Um, you, you just and gotta, then, and then, you gotta turn off your brain for this, for that part <laughs> of the movie. Like if you, yeah. if you think too hard, it's like cars and why, why do they have things for humans? Why yes. does the car universe have any of those things? Right. It doesn't make sense. Well, um, I, a, mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Devendra. I wanted to go back to the thing you were bringing up, Dave, about the the building permits, because I also found that it's like weird, weird that we're spending time on this. But then it was like, oh, man, this is actually the sort of like relentless bureaucratic bullshit you have to deal with when you move to this country is insane. Mm, and it true. was kind of a broader overall. It's like, you mean this this building's fine. It's totally fine. But because it doesn't you know, adhere to your permits, we got to shut down immediately. Reminds me of when my parents basically had to go back to our home country uh, after several years to reaffirm like immigrant status and other things. Anything. You own a restaurant or something. Anything like this could happen. So it, it, yeah. it, it, my, it my parents the, owned a restaurant. Yes. And they had to navigate the bureaucracy. And I don't know how they did it because I could barely do it myself yes. with a full command of English, which they did not have at the time. You know, so it's, it's just like, it is wild how the yeah. rules and the oppression of like a society, even if it it's not like they mean badly, but you don't understand the rules and these rules exist. Yeah. And it could mean the end of your way of living. Right? I like that. Yeah. I like that. You know, it also like. um Similar dynamic with uh, everything everywhere all at once yeah. and like uh, the IRS, you know, like yeah. basically immigrants face um, formidable obstacles when trying to integrate into American life. And uh, I, I did like that the movie nodded to that. But then it, I, I agree. I liked where it started. Mm -hmm, and then it becomes mm -hmm. this thing of like, we have to stop the city from being completely annihilated. You know, it's like, OK, well, just um, their part well, of that, the city. Yeah, that felt to me like the we got to have the Pixar TM 
yes. action sequence right. in yeah. the third act when it felt like this isn't a movie that is that. This isn't yeah, a movie that needs there's, that. There's basically no villain in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's like, mean, yeah. That's where I felt like it was imposing this, yes, these expectations on it. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, when I saw Up for the first time, the first 20 minutes of Up, I think, is exquisite and mm -hmm. perfect. And then you get into this other movie where it's like, oh, we're doing the Pixar thing and we got to do our Pixar thing. Yeah. It's like this movie, too, it felt that, hey, we're in this sweet little romantic comedy that yeah. doesn't need to have big set pieces. But because we're in a Pixar movie, you yeah. have to impose that on it. And you it have just have the talking dogs and all the all those. Yeah, subjects. it felt a little um, mm -hmm. a, a little shoehorned to me. It, mm -hmm. It's also like it's part of like the failure of the city, right, and the the civil government because it's not it's not Ember's fault. Like she she tried to fix this thing. How did they not notice a giant you know crack in the wall? Because the city doesn't pay attention to these neighborhoods. Like they don't, just don't care. And then they look at the tempered glass and they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. That's, not, that's totally fine. You know, we could do the work to actually fix it, but no, this is fine. I think one of my favorite things in the whole movie though is how she manipulates glass mm -hmm. yeah it's super just cool. so such Beautiful. a cool idea that a, a fire person could just you you know <laughs> sweep up the the shards of broken yeah. glass and then reconstitute it into something beautiful ah or when so um when they like the pipe starts leaking and they just kind of like bend yeah. the pipe to their will that's very cool well that's why i think that i think in the the vocabulary of the movie is that if you're a fire element you can sort of, in the in the same way that Johnny Storm of the Fantastic Four does, you can sort of like turn on your heat or not because they hold the pamphlet, right. yeah, a yeah. lot. And then at one point, she decides to burn it up, and but she made a decision to do that. You know, like you can decide whether your fire you can flame on, you yeah. can flame yeah. on, <laughs> you yeah. can flame on. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, speaking of up, by the way, uh, did you, I assume you guys watched the yes. Pixar short film before this, Carl's Date? Carl's I think date. It was called, right? I yeah. didn't think it was very good, to be frank. <laughs> Unnecessary. I didn't really. Need that. You both didn't like. I, I thought it was usually I, the the fine. shorts are a home run at the beginning of the mm -hmm. movie. It's like, oh mm -hmm. wow, Pixar amazing short. And I just thought it they weren't. I felt they were like, yeah, we got Ed Asner. Let's use him before he passes away. Man, that's that's sad, but also <laughs> it, true. And it I, was it, odd. It was an yeah. odd one. It because this is what I, the kids want. Yeah, they, seniors so, like dating. Such I was a like, weird thing. This is a huge thing. miscalculation from a children's film, but like attached I, actually, to a movie that I think is kind of a miscalculation too. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't mm -hmm. think it should have been attached to this one, but I thought it was kind of sweet because it's like, hey, we rarely see mm -hmm. any movie of, of any kind about this topic, which is um, what it's like if you're old and in, older and in mm -hmm. love. You know, like people but in their older age trying to find love. Actually, yeah. see, it. it feels like it ends right when it would have been interesting. You mm -hmm. know. Uh, all yeah. of the prep for the date was ne not nearly as interesting as what I would want to see, which is the date. Yeah. I think it's basically best interpreted as like kind of a epilogue to up mm -hmm. as opposed to like its own free. He lived like, happily ever after. Yeah. He, he, he kind bit. of was yeah. able to move. On. It's about him like moving on yeah. and living a better what life. What year did up yeah, or come not out? better life. Yeah, I, I, exactly. No, no, better it's life. So the weird. kids who saw Up are twenty something now, right? <laughs> I so. agree. I agree with you. I agree. It's very bizarre that it's. But I'm just saying, like, hey, it's there. Yeah. No, it's the, the I movie like and the show the before it. They took some big swings. That's all I'm saying, right? Well, I uh, want to talk a little bit about what Devinder brought up, which I think is astute. This is not a kids' movie. It does. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. I think the Up short didn't feel like it was really made for kids. You have a talking dog. That's the fun part. And even this movie itself, like, I don't. I want it to be a kid's movie, but I think it is better suited for like preteens or something like people who are, have more of an understanding of the shape of the world, because yeah. that's how you really get 
this movie, I think. Yeah. I think that's true. I think this movie is is a romantic comedy for people that have experienced romance. Like it's not for kids that, you know, some you know, Snow White or whatever, you know, when you yeah. see romance in those movies, it's an abstraction. It's not based on any kind of real human interaction. But this movie is very much grounded in how people actually interact and how their families mm -hmm. interact. And it just felt like yeah. this is a much more mature subject matter than most Pixar movies. You know, it's not it's not the love that you get in cars, for example, when right. you know he falls in love with the other car because they're both there. <laughs> you know, it's 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 yeah. Interesting. I don't know. It's, it's filled I, I, with moments of just like quiet beauty too, yeah. like the whole going underwater and seeing the flowers bloom because Ember can make that happen. It's beautiful. I'm not sure if it would always hold the kid's attention, but you know, it, it just, uh, it yeah, is a very strange that, that was That was one of the highlights of the film yeah. for me. And yeah. there was this amazing scene that like took my breath away when like Ember has interacted with Wade at some point and then she comes home and then she's standing in front of the store and then there's like this massive wave of water yep. that's just, and she's seeing her reflection in the water and then the water goes away and yeah. then she sees the store behind it. And it's like, these are the two yeah. things that she's, she needs to choose. She's between, also right? not mad at the water because normally she would like pull up the umbrella and be right, annoyed at right. the water being there. And now she's, she's like, like seeing there. herself in the water and then mm. the water goes away. And then she sees the store. It's like beautiful symbolism, you know? And I yeah. only like only possible with something like an animated film like this. So the, um, there's another sequence that I thought was visually exquisite too which is um the the mom who has this b bizarre ability to smell love which is like <laughs> sure. i don't even know where that comes from sure. but, yeah yeah um, that was weird it was kind of weird but uh <laughs> you know she does the ritual and she's like well you light your thing and like okay yeah. water man how are you gonna light your thing yeah. and the solution that they came up for mm. with that was amazing i just yeah. thought it was gorgeous and powerful and I, I i i saw that scene manifest and i thought to myself Mm -hmm. how are they going to get themselves out of this one you know <laughs> and i thought the way they did it was just amazing yeah. it was so also, beautiful pro tip for real life never leave clear water bottles in your car that will happen <laughs> it will retract and like burn a hole into your car seat and it causes cars to crash fire it's a thing yeah i i will say one last thing about uh the weird weird world of elemental and then uh, then i'll move on from that but like <laughs> Uh, there's a scene in the trailer and also in the movie where uh, Ember and Wade are floating up into the sky. Very cool. She kind of like lights her fire and then heats the mm -hmm. air and is able to fly. Yeah, we've all played Tears of the Kingdom, Dave. Yes, we get it. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, they look into this this uh, pair of trees apartment and they're kind of picking apples off each other's <laughs> yeah. trees. And yeah. she's like, oh, just doing some pruning. Like, And I think we're meant to think that's something very like... Yeah. sexual untoward yeah mm -hmm. and so i'm like what is the equivalent i guess like apple plucking. apples are like they're plucking each other yeah they're like reproductive yeah. organs probably in in the world of hardcore elemental, pluckers because they use it they probably <laughs> plant apple seeds to like you know I, sure so anyway sure. i just whatever uh, you make new apple breeds by cross breeding certain strains and like trying to grow yeah, trees together yeah, you do. And it's, it's yeah. whole thing. They, this movie <laughs> even directly like references hanky panky like right at the end yeah so yeah it's like it's very yeah it is making jokes that kids will absolutely not understand. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I have what about say, the fact that mm -hmm. there are butterflies in this universe, but we never see any, we never see any animals or, or, or insects or anything, mm -hmm. but they ref, they mm -hmm. talk about butterflies. Mm. So like, how does a butterfly, what is that about? <laughs> What's the butterfly doing? Yeah. Are, are there's the butterfly going and like pollinating the earth peoples. <laughs> like if there's mm, bugs yeah. in this world, then right. they go to the earth people and, 
What, what is that? <laughs> right? They're just they're just a hundred percent associated with the Earth people, I guess. I guess. I I, I do have to say the um and there's you know, you know car windshield I, wipers. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I I wasn't a huge fan of the world building, but I did really enjoy the chase sequence. Uh, early on in the movie when Ember is trying to get the documents from Wade and yeah. uh, and and the super creative where like they're, she's running and she's using you know she like jumps up in the air and like uses her umbrella as a parachute and um, yeah. and then at one point like Wade goes into the crack between buildings yeah. you know and then she rushes out and I was like oh this is like just like Super, that's like taking advantage of the premise, I felt, in a way mm-hmm. that, again, would be Even the way he, he kind of beats her at the end is kind of funny. He jumps into the right, drain. jumps into the sewer grate, yeah. Speaking yeah. of that, by the way, their whole... Do you guys find it weird that um, the initial teaser for this movie was a very chill Amber getting onto the train, walking around the people and everything. She sits down. I think she sees Wade. That never that's not what happens right in the movie. yeah what happens yeah. in the movie is they like stumble in and he's in the basement and everything it is weird that the initial pitch for this movie doesn't really exist in the actual movie so yeah i don't yeah. know i i think i would have been much more into the love story if maybe it had played out in the way you described it yeah you know? so yeah um i have to say guys i did not love the ending of this movie um and in particular, Wade making this grand romantic gesture and it's like, you should betray your family's values. And what I did like about that scene was that she says, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. And literally my wife and I applauded and everyone yeah. around us was like, what? Also, what's she, she didn't on? seem um, she didn't seem mad about being forced into doing the shop like that seemed right. like she wanted to do it, which you know that, that there's a bit of a incongruity there between her well, initial love of it and but, yeah, yeah let, me, let me just fin- let me finish. Yeah. I want to hear yeah. what you have to say, but let me just yeah. finish my point, which is that like he overestimates his place in this story in that yeah. moment, in my opinion, and that's fine because she rejects it. But then nothing happens for him to actually learn what he did wrong. Like, he it, just sticks he, around he, still. He sticks <laughs> around and then saves their lives, right? But it's it's like if the life threatening thing hadn't happened, he would have just gone away, and like that would have been the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So I I didn't lo- like I like that you know he tries to do this like grand thing that everyone in our society is conditioned. To feel like, oh, Wade's going to convince Ember to to you know turn her back on her parents and do her own thing because that's what the American way is, and I like that she rejected that in that moment. I don't like then what happened after that, which is he should have kind of learned his. They should have had there should have yeah. been some reckoning for that, and then they can still be together. But like he doesn't like learn his lesson in any way that he overstepped in that moment. So he overstepped. Okay, it, it is it yeah. is funny the whole thing about Wade's family too, where it is very much um, yeah going to somebody's house and they are much richer than you. They have things. They live high up and they mm-hmm. have many rooms. Um it's a very different way of living. And they, they dine in an environment where you would die if you fell where off the Yeah, thing. if you ate their food. Um but also the you speak so well comment. Yeah. Perfection. Mm. Yeah. Very much love that it was there and her response to that because right. I've experienced that. It's not fun. Um yeah. and also the sort of like helpful liberal mom basically mm-hmm. who Catherine O'Hara plays. It's like, Oh, I love your stuff. I'm going to support you. Here's this thing. I, I get you this job. You do this thing. It's like the movie directly says that's a little presumptuous Yeah, because right. yeah. it's, it's generous, but it's not, not, I didn't really ask for this. You know, I'm actually fine with the route I'm going, but. And that's what I don't like is like they're Wade yeah. and his mom. They're ultimately kind of like vindicated at the end, which I don't, it, I yeah, don't love that. It would have been nice but. to have more of a conversation around that because it is interesting that it's yeah. in a typical immigrant story. She'd be like, I don't want, I don't want your dream dad. <laughs> I'm not you. Right. Whereas right. this one, she's like, 
Yeah, this I'm, is my life. I'm okay yeah. with it, or I'm okay sacrificing for it. Which, like, I yeah. agree. You know, like, there, some balance needs to be found. Mm-hmm. But I don't agree with the way the film did it. Okay, yep. Jeff, yep. I've, I've articulated my issues. What do you think? Go ahead. I agree with you 100. percent I yeah. I thought oh, okay. that had those exact same thoughts at the end yeah. as he strolls up into the thing and he does that romantic comedy third act thing where right. he's like, I don't care who knows it. I love this, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but uh, and I and I loved that she said no, and I went, yeah, good for good. you, movie. Yeah. And then yeah. literally nothing happens. <laughs> yes. And he comes back, and she's like, I'm so glad you came back. And it's like, yeah, well, it's but like, but the last time. You interacted. You just were <laughs> kind you, of. Is there a? <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, so I do think that's a failing of the movie. The other thing I was going to say is there's also sort of a dropped thread of her rage and her dealing with her rage. Like she has mm-hmm. this rage issue right. that the first act of the movie makes a big deal about. She's constantly burning down her own thing because she can't handle her rage. And they kind of just don't do anything with that. Well, I, my interpretation of it was that her rage, it was not rage. It was more like anxiety at yeah. the expectation of taking over her dad's shop, right? And once freed from that anxiety, she could be her true self. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I, I can agree with you that, like, there, there was no moment where she's like, and now I finally solved the problem, you know? But, like, but I do think there was enough there that, like, oh, that was the reason she kept... Okay, I'll, anxiety, I'll grant you that. I just felt yeah. like the movie was was yeah. leading yeah. up to some sort of moment where she's able to handle that in a better way, and yeah. we never get that. We never get think, the resolution. That, of that. Yeah, yeah, as it's shown in the yeah. movies, like as they basically start dating and hanging out, she mellows out because yeah. it is another aspect to her life that she didn't really have before because she was so closed off and so focused on doing the family business and being in her own neighborhood and being very closed off from the, you know, the people and things around her in the city. So I think there is personal growth there and that directly relates to, you know, the, the attacks and everything, the angry attacks. Yeah. I want to mention just a couple of other things about the ending and specifically how they handle the immigrant story. You know, I, I was lucky because my parents owned a Chinese restaurant and they told me at a very young age, uh, you know, I, you know, cause I'm a kid. I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll take over for dad one day. You know, like, we and want you to like, be a podcaster, David, <laughs> <laughs> you need to make the content. They're the like, future we, will be fed by content. We came here for <laughs> one reason. One and that was for you to talk about your thoughts about movies and TV shows. <laughs> they were like, we, uh, from a very young age, they're like, we don't want you to do, like, we mm-hmm. are doing this. So you do not have to do this because yes. it's hard yep. backbreaking work. And we don't want yeah. you to do that. And so th- that was a that was a kindness that they did to me. You know, it's it's, it's a thing where I di- I didn't need to think about that. And I'm just gonna put this out there. You know, I, I think Ember's dad probably should have had that talk with her a little bit sooner than at mm-hmm. the end of the movie. Because because yeah, at the end I was like, I know where this is going. Where this mm-hmm, is going mm-hmm. is he's going to be okay with her not taking the shop because ultimately at the end of the day, it's her happiness that's more important. And that's that is in fact where it went. And it's like. Yep, it's because of the lack of communication between father you mean and daughter. Immigrant parents not talking to their kids. <laughs> I, enough? I've never heard. I've never heard never. of such a thing, Devendra. Yeah, um, but yeah, I did. So, so I, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That was a very powerful yeah. because it's like you know the, the shop was never the goal. The goal mm-hmm. was you being happy, you living a life in in Element City, and um, that was lovely. And also like the way they did the um, the bowing portion at the end very moving you know like he tells a story of how like the father their family wouldn't wouldn't bow and then you know he did for his daughter and that's a thing that's like not very much acknowledged we we very much hear immigrant stories like when you hear immigrants when you see immigrant stories in the united states 
almost all of them begin at the point where the person arrives in the United States. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the Ellis Island landing. Yada, right. Yada, it's, yada, it yada. starts yeah. there, right? You, you mm-hmm. don't see that much of like the pain and the suffering that went before. And also like how many uh, parents feel like it's a rejection that the person has left, you know? And uh, I, I like that this movie dealt with those weighty issues of like Ember's grandfather didn't accept their decision. And that's and like, never met them. Yeah. Never saw their life. Like that is a heady, that's a huge, huge concept to, to even understand as a kid. But yeah, we don't talk about what is left behind and very rarely, even in adult immigrant stories. So yeah. I think that that's an amazing thing that this movie yeah, did. Totally, yeah. totally. I have one more big thing I want to ask you guys about because yeah. I really didn't like uh, Wade's resurrection at the end mm-hmm. uh, or whatever you want to call uh-huh. that. Uh, I loved I loved all of the stuff of he's gone. Oh, you know, the, the, the burnt out shop and all that stuff. I thought that was all really pretty. Yeah, I, I, just, I, I was like, if he sacrificed himself and like that was his ending, that would be like, oh, incredible. Great. Yeah, awesome. incredible. Can't do that in a kid's movie, I guess. Yeah, incredible. It would have been incredible. Yeah, yeah. but even it, bringing him, I kind of suspected we were going to have some sort of happy ending of, of, but I thought the movie did nothing to earn that. I I felt like there was going to be in the same way that I just brought up the, how are you going to burn your little stick? And we came up with this genius solution. I thought there was going to be some wonderful loophole of how he stayed alive. And she walks in and looks up and I was like, Oh my gosh, is there some sort of thing that they're going to reveal condensation, but it literally like, no, he's just still here. He's He's just, just, yeah, he's, he's kind of my, my interpretation was kind of soaked into the materials. Yeah. Which I just not just it wasn't up at the top. Yeah, I did, I, you guys, it was okay with you guys. I just felt like that no, was no, such I, a cop I don't out. Think, I don't no, think it I was okay. I didn't like it. I didn't I like think, that he was still alive at all. Like, yeah, I was yeah. dead. Wasn't a fan of that. Well, that rich so. boy yeah. dead. Um, <laughs> there was room for like a very heartfelt discussion or something. Ember actually opening up in a way that we haven't really seen her in right. the movie too. Just having yeah. that apologizing to him or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Then he cries. You could have yeah. had this amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just the like repeating the thing from before to make him cry. Yeah. It was so not, so not good. But I think if, if he's actually dead, then we have this moment where she makes a decision that is completely her own. Yeah. And it isn't about choosing him over her dad. It's about choosing the direction of her life. Right. And, and I think that would have been so much more interesting and powerful. I agree. I agree. Uh, and that's kind of where what you're saying, Jeff, comes into place of like, oh, this is like the Pixar end. Like yeah. the Pixar movie has to end in this mm-hmm. way. Right. And that's and and you know, with the, the whole final act, I think, between the whole like them almost all dying and then like yeah. uh then Wade coming back to life. That feels very like, oh, this is the pat ending that we need. Um and uh I was also saddened that they didn't take a bigger risk. Yeah, there, so. I agree. I yeah. can't. I can't help but see like Miyazaki touches here, mm-hmm. and were this a Miyazaki movie, that Waterman would be dead because <laughs> just that—that that is it, kids. That's life. Sometimes yeah. you find somebody and you love somebody, and they change your life, and they they die, and, they, and they're dead. They're gone they die. forever. Movie ends because you hugged is... them. You hugged them, yes. and they died. <laughs> that is the Davinder Pull quote. Were this a Miyazaki movie? That man would be dead. That water, that man, water, man, would be that dead. water man would be dead. Okay, one last thing about water people. I know I said I would stop talking about it, but the idea that sponges exist in this universe is like terrifying. Why? Why? Right? Like, because <laughs> well, wouldn't those, they'll basically be like a gun. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're um, like guns a, exist, or, or not a gun, but like you know, like it's like a deadly weapon. It's if like you're, a prison. It's a prison. It's a prison. It's yeah. a, it's a prison. I'm carrying mobile prisons that you can get sucked into on this janitor cart. Yeah, you know. Well, the so. thing that's weird is that there are—I mean, we talked about this a little before—but there are the anthropomorphized elements, but there's also the elements. Yes, like right. mm-hmm. there's water people and there's water. There's fire people and there's fire. There's earth people yeah. and there's earth. There's air people and there's air. There's—they're not the same thing. That yeah. so, like, what yeah. function do the people have? It's kind of the way I tried to think about it was like how, like in BoJack Horseman, there's. Yeah, animals yeah. that talk, but also animals that don't talk. You know, right. that's kind of how I tried to yeah. imagine it. But anyway, you just don't want to ask too many questions about yeah, yeah, th- that <laughs> yeah. sort of world building. But it's know? fun to think about. It's fun to think about. So I do like the the imagery of when they finally touch and when they finally kiss. That is a big yeah. moment. And again, the movie just does tremendous visual work to kind of make that really shine. I agree. Know? The visuals are stunning. But I also was a little disappointed. I thought for sure we were going to have the flash forward to see the little hybrid fire water babies that they're going to make. I thought we were going to see some Don't kind ask of questions, rad visual yeah. of like this fire water yin yang mutant being that's like, <laughs> kill me, kill me. Wow. No, okay. not that, but you know, it's, you know what I mean? Troubling. Oh, here's, here's what I will say that the movie did unexpectedly. Um, you, I, I thought for sure this dad is dead. Like he's coughing the whole movie. Coughing yeah. in a, yeah. and coughing Elderly in a Pixar coughing movie? equals death. Yeah. Co- well, coughing in any movie, but coughing in a Pixar movie? Like yeah. you're freaking toast. <laughs> yeah. And then he lives through the end. I'm like, wow. Like that is a huge surprise. You got, yeah, you got me, Pixar. You, you got, got me. me. So, yeah. All right. Well, anyway. Well, that's uh, why that's why Wade couldn't die is because we got to have the, you know, the character at Disneyland who's walking around and kids can't be like, but you died. You know? <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. The store is fine still too. They're able to just rebuild the store. Yeah. The blue flame is fine. Yeah, everything. Everyone fine. gets what they want. Fine. Everyone yeah. gets yeah. what they want. It's all so. fine, except the poor butterfly who gets ripped <laughs> apart by windshield wipers. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, it is really impressive that Peterson made this movie. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast@gmail.com. Uh, and find us at Patreon. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, Instagram, uh, at the Filmcast Pod. Find us on TikTok at the Filmcast. This episode was edited by me, David Chen, and video assistance was provided by uh, Kurt Mega and John Barry. Theme song was by Tim McEwen, and our weekly plugs and spoiler bumper music provided by Noah Ross. All right. Next week, I think, uh, is going to be. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, is that right? I think that's, that's right. right. Yeah. I think so. Indiana yeah. Jones and the Dial of Destiny is going to be our main review next week. Um, and uh, it should be pretty interesting. I uh, heard a lot of big different uh, things about this one. You know, I, I, I cannot wait to talk to you guys about it. Oh, I boy. think what I can say safely, though, is that just based on everything I know about the world, is that I don't think this movie is going to be number two at the box office this summer. I'm I just think going to that's put that out there. Accurate. Yeah. We've learned I think some we've very made a difficult grave lessons. error. Yes. We've made some mistakes from right. Mistakes mm-hmm. from right. And uh, we're deeply sorry. May God have mercy on our souls. All right. Until next week. Be well, folks. Thanks for listening. See you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.